that cookies. It's the cookies we ate. Good evening, everyone. The December 14, 2023 Loudoun County Planning Commission work session will now come to order. As is our custom, please join me in standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you all for joining us tonight. For those who, who don't make this a frequent stop in your, uh, on your calendar, let me uh, give you a quick rundown of how things will go tonight. Uh, members of the public who wish to comment on any of the three items on our agenda tonight may do so at the beginning of our meeting. There will not be additional public comment taken once the commission begins to discuss the returning public hearing items. If you are in the boardroom, please fill out a speaker slip and hand it to the assistant deputy clerk of the planning commission at the end of the dais to my left. If you're participating electronically, please call the number on the bottom of a screen. If you signed up to speak, up at, speak after 12 noon today, please confirm your name is on the speaker list as public comment sign up closes after 12 as indicated on our website. Indicate your name and the agenda item you wish to address. Each speaker will have two minutes, four minutes if you are speaking on behalf of an official organization. Uh, just an administrative note, while our items are, we have three items on our agenda tonight, we will be working on them. The commission work will be in order. I am going to shuffle around the public comment order just a smidge, and we're gonna take the third item, Goose Creek Retail, first for public comment, and then we'll move into one and two as, um, as planned. So, uh, all right, commissioners, we have minutes to approve. Do I have a motion? I'm welcome. I make a motion to approve the minutes. All right, motion made by Commissioner Moderetti. Do I have a second? Second, second by Commissioner Miller. Any changes or notes on those minutes for November 8th? Okay, hearing none. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? The motion carries 702. Let the record note that Vice Chair Combs and Commissioner Hayes are absent. Uh, before we go into our public hearing and agenda items, I'd like to ask for disclosures. Go ahead and turn your light on if you have any. I'll start down there. Commissioner Mayer. Uh, yes, Madam Chair. On Tuesday, December 12th, I met with Rick Pearsall and Peter West of the Philemont Volunteer Fire Department. Thank you. Commissioner Moderetti? You want to come back? We'll come back. Commissioner Kirchner. Oh, hey, thank you. Um, on Thursday, December 5th, I had a virtual meeting with Scott Warrest, Megan McCarthy from DTCI, Paul Erickson from FGM Architects, and Lori Redcliffe-Myers to talk about the Philmont um, Fire Station. On Friday, December 6th, I had an in-person on-site meeting with Madeline Skinner, the president of the Philmont Village Foundation, and Bill Ridge uh, for a tour and to talk about at the fire station or the existing fire station in Philmont. Um, then I went on and met with Rick Pearsall from the um, Philmont Volunteer Fire Department and Doug Frost, um, who's the president of the Philmont Volunteer Fire Department, had a tour and talked to them about the application. And then after that, I went into the Philmont General Store and had a conversation with Drew Bishop about the Philmont um, Fire Station. 
on Thursday, December 14th uh, via a phone call and email. I had additional, I received additional clarifying information um, from both Scott Warrest and Madeline Skinner concerning Philemont Fire Station. Thank you. Commissioner Miller. On um, Friday, December 8th, I met with Colleen Gillis and um, Ben Wales from Cooley regarding the Arcola Farms residential project. And today I um, met with um, Tony Calabrese from DLA Piper and all of the people involved with the Innovation Gateway project from um, Black Chamber and from Fairfield. That is all. Mr. Merrithew, nothing? Okay. Mr. Mr. Moderati. Oh, wait. Um, oh. On December 2nd, I met with Chief PSL on the Philmont Fire Station. On December 6th, I met with um, Mike Romeo on Hiddenwood Assemblage um, application. And on December 8th, I met Colin Gillis and Angela Rasis on Arcola Farms Residential. Commissioner Kirchner, you have an addition? Sorry, I just have a correction. I had the oh. dates wrong. Okay. So my meeting um, was, we're on December um, 7th and December 8th, Thursday and Friday last week. Thank you. Okay. Uh, as for me, uh, December 12th, I had a me meeting with the team from Cooley and Toll Brothers regarding the Arcola Farms application. And today, December 14th, I had a meeting uh, with Dominion Energy and their representatives regarding the Wishing Star substation. Okay. All right, we will open our public hearing. As I mentioned earlier, we are gonna start with item three first, Legi 2023-0067 Goose Creek Retail. I don't have to read all of them again, right? The specs and the this and the that, or do? No, okay, thank you. All right. We, we, we tweak things. I have to read less. It's nice. All right. Um, so if anybody, we do not have anyone signed up in advance to speak on the Goose Creek uh, agenda item. Do we have anyone in the room who would like to speak on that item? Do we have anyone online to speak on that item? We do not, Madam Chair. We do not. Thank you. All right. Last call. All right. We will close out item three, and we will begin now with um, ZOAM 2020-0002, Prime Agricultural Soils and Cluster Subdivision. Again, uh, just to remind folks, if you are speaking as an individual, you will have two minutes to speak. If you are speaking as an official representative of a recognized organization, you will have four minutes to speak. Uh, please, if you've got multiple folks from an organization, pick one to, to represent your organization. Um, and the rest of you can speak as individuals. I will call up a couple of people um, at a time to kind of keep the cues going uh, so that hopefully we can not have a 27-hour meeting like some of our colleagues in Prince William did earlier this week. Um, all right, so uh, Primag Soils. I will start with uh, John Lovegrove, Keith Troxell, and Robbie Thompson. Hi, Madam Chair. I'm John Lovegrove, um, members of the board, the commission. I am um, president of the um, Loudoun's Future Political Action Committee and also vice chair of the Save Rural Loudoun. And I had the pleasure of serving on the ZOAM Working Group 
along with Chris Van Vlack, uh, Chuck Hune, and uh, Kevin. And we were we spent a lot of time over the summer talking about this. And I think we spent a we we actually did some good work coming to um, some consensus on quite a number of items, as I think the board um, item reflects. Um, specifically, we gave up quite a bit on the um, ag group side. We gave um, the current um, ordinance asks for um, 25 houses in a cluster before you create a second cluster. We went down to five in order to make it more um, flexible for our developers to site um, clustered housing on a property. Um, we also looked at um, um, smaller groups of ag soil and, and how many um, how many acres you have to have to consider it a farmable cluster. And I think a lot of what we did was um, was to, to move towards an agreement um, that we both sides could live with. Um, towards the end of the negotiation, when it appeared that we had come to a workable consensus, the um, conservation easement group changed their requirement from 50% to 20%, and that made it very difficult for us to come to agreement when our um, initial requirement was 80%, and we went back down to 70%. Um, I think the biggest thing, um, other than um, that kind of killed the negotiation and the spirit of cooperation, is since Kimley Horn took a look at um, the staff recommendation, they've come up with this thing called a safety clause, and I really don't understand the reason for that clause. The um, purported um, need is if a, and this gets, as you, I know you all know, this gets very um, geekish, but um, if you have a 100-acre property and it's all prime soil, you have to preserve 70%, so you have to preserve 70 acres. That gives you 30 acres to build 20 houses on if you're in um, AR2. Um, and you also have to cite the septic fields and the um, stormwater. But I still think 30 acres is plenty of room for um, building 20 houses. And, and this is an important distinction. The requirement is to preserve 70% of prime ag soils, not 70% of the entire lot. So if there's 20 acres of prime ag soil on that lot, let's say the 100-acre lot, that means you only have to preserve 70% um, of that 20 acres. Now, prime ag soils are the level parts of the lot. AR1, I'm sorry, the um, farmable parts of the lot are the level parts of the lot. Those are also the easiest place to, places to put houses. So if you have, um, it's, it's natural for a developer to want to put them where it's the easiest place to farm as well. So if we are serious about um, making this um, safety clause part of the legislation. I think that it should not be an administrative, it should be a legislative action, and there should be a fee for applying for it. If we don't, then each developer is simply going to go straight to the safety clause, um, claim that they can't possibly fit 20 houses on 30 acres, and ask for an administrative relief of the spirit of this um, clause, which is to preserve ag soil in Loudoun County. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good evening, Commissioners. My name is Keith Troxell. As a local tax attorney, I've helped uh, folks in Loudoun County with land succession planning, uh, particularly with conservation easements and helping them navigate through the various federal and tax incentives for landowners. 
I'm here tonight to speak about concerns with the proposed Palm Shoals ordinance and that it will negatively impact another st uh, stated county policy, that is the encouragement of conservation easements. With uh, great respect for county staff, I'm alarmed at the um, staff report tonight, which patently uh, refuses to address the obvious flaws in the Kimley Horn report with regard to density. And it presents to you just a bunch of and or options uh, that are very specific without any real uh, analysis of how those will um, not negatively impact density and encourage the promotion of uh, prime soils. Um, I would encourage you to look at the report with regard to the uh, recommendations of the conservation easement stakeholder group approach and come up with solutions that, uh, that promote both these policies of protecting prime soils and encouraging conservation easements. Thank you very much. Thank you. As Mr. Thompson comes up, can I also have Joseph Bain and Avis Renshaw? Um, good evening, commissioners. My name is Robbie Thompson. I'm from Hillsborough. Stony Point Farm has been my family for 145 years. It is 320 acres. So I'm speaking as an individual landowner when you're hearing all these ordinances, proposals, whatever. I'm not clear on all of them. Don't pretend to be. I'm speaking as one individual landowner. There are many of us who do have properties, so naturally we're looking out for ourselves. That's our purpose. So, and we hope you will too, when you're making your decisions, consider everybody in the whole mix, not just a handful of people. Consider everybody, the best interest of the land, the owner, potential owners, and the future as well. I pray you don't go just for the whim of the moment, what seems so wonderful. Things do change, as we well know. Anyway, um, this has been the family for 145 years. In 2022, I placed a little less than a third of the farm in the conservation easement to protect the viewshed of Short Hill Mountain and Stony Point Road. Stony Point Road is a Virginia-designated scenic byway. And I've spoken previously about my concerns with the prime soil ordinance as I'm considering placing part or some of the remaining parts of the farm in a conservation easement as well. But I'm concerned the prime soil provisions will significantly impact the benefits of a conservation easement to our family. As you may be aware, the benefits of conservation easements are based on the values, which in turn are based on possible development densities and cost. In reviewing the staff memorandum, memorandum, I am still concerned that the proposed ordinance, even with the suggested modifications, will make an easement no longer uh, financial sense for my family. And I request that the Planning Commission revise the ordinance so that it does not negatively impact conservation easements. Um, I looked in this earlier. It didn't make sense. Lately, it did. So I thank you for your time and your, to be able to be here. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Good evening. My name is Joe Bain. Uh, I'm going to also speak on the Prime Soils Ordinance. I'm a certified nutrient management planner by the Virginia Department of Conservation and Recreation. I'm a certified responsible land disturber with Virginia Department of Environmental Quality, and we own a good bit of land in the valley where my family's been for 300 years in Loudoun County. For many years, I've consulted with other Loudoun landowners on real estate, agriculture, environmental conservation, timber plans, et cetera, just anything to do with a farm. The proposed ordinance is in desperate need of additional work. Soils maps are imprecise, and multiple data sets are currently available. 
one could review a parcel under the Loudoun GIS soils mapping system and compare it to data in the USDA database and arrive at differing, vastly differing numbers of prime agricultural soils for the same parcel. Yet the proposed ordinances uses strict percentages, at, at acreage amounts, con contiguity amounts, and sa a savings clause provision that assume soils maps are much more precise than they actually are in practice. Simply stated, the draft ordinance needs much more work in order to make certain that density is not if negatively impacted by the proposed provisions. And again, why do we need density for preserving land of which I've preserved 2,000 acres with my wife in Loudoun County alone? Well, you got you to get an appraised value to get your tax deductions and your tax credits. Otherwise, it makes no sense. Uh, as I'm closing here for the last 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you this. Soils always change. That's what we're first thing we're taught. And I'll give you two examples of how they change. You have a large field, and it has a slope of greater than 5%. You have 100 cows in that field. It's been dry and dusty in, in the drought we've just had. Well, you get a hard rainfall. Those cows walk that dirt right off that slope every time you get a rainfall. Second example, that same 100-acre field's got a slope greater than 5%. They're going to plow it and plant it. How many tons of soil do you think they lose on a single plowing per year? thousands of tons per year. So that's just a couple of the ways soils can change on every parcel every year, and you can't stop that even if you preserve it all. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Uh, as Ms. Renshaw comes up, can I have Tia Ehrman? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Avis Renshaw. I'm with Lost Corner Farm here in Loudoun County. Um, as I said last night at the Board of Supervisor meeting, farmland is under assault from all over Virginia, from the solar industry to development to data center requirements. Prime soils need your protection. Um, it's odd that the conservation easement advocates are on the opposing side of this issue. Um, I endorse conservation easements. My husband and I did one on our farm to protect it from our own children, possibly, if they wanted to sell it. It should be farmed. Uh, easements are the best vehicle for saving important lands and places. The problem with this particular situation is that the spirit of placing land in easement is missing. A few less buildable homes will not preclude an easement. It just makes it less valuable for a developer. And that's a purely economic criteria does not go to the heart of why one is supposed to be putting land in easement. It is a donation that is being made. Uh, developers already receive, uh, what, a four-time bonus mm -hmm. for clustering, which is a good thing. I, I, I understand increasing density so that they will be encouraged to, to cluster. But how much is too much for a developer? I think this says that. I would request that you retain the 70%. I would strike the savings clause. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good evening. Um, for the record, my name is Tia Ehrman. Good to see you all again. Um, I'm speaking tonight on behalf of the Piedmont Environmental Council. We are asking you to forward the Prime Soils Cluster Subdivision ZOAM to the board with a recommendation for a minimum of 70% Prime Soils Preservation and no Savings Clause without further delay. 
The ZOEM was intended to run concurrently with the ZOR and fold into it months ago. Um, it is a major issue impacting our ability to carry out the spirit and intent of the rural policy area. It has been for years. We'd like to see this finished. The language of the 2019 comprehensive plan is quite clear and mandates multiple times throughout the document the county's policy goal to limit residential development of the RPA in favor of agricultural uses. One of many examples is from chapter two, page 97 in a section aptly titled the future of rural strategy. Quote, the general plan carries forward the growth management approach for the RPA established in the rural growth plan, which seeks to limit residential growth, retain farmland and sustain the rural economy. There is no more direct method, no more direct zoning tool our county has to achieve this goal for more parcels of land than the cluster subdivision ordinance provision. Um, this is where our county either prioritizes farmland preservation or residential development. With a minimum of 11,000 plus projected homes, all very large single family, not affordable, coming to Western Loudoun, you've all seen the projections via these clusters, we're either going to preserve farmable parcels for the future of farmers in Loudoun when we make those developments, or we're not. As many of you know, the PEC is a land trust with numerous full-time staff members dedicated to holding and promoting conservation easements and educating landowners about easements, the tax considerations, and the power of easements to help them preserve the land they love. Our own experts have weighed in disputing the false assertion that prioritizing the protection of prime soils in these subdivisions would negatively impact the easement process and the Kimley Horn study the county commissioned bears those experts' opinions out. As such, we ask you to forward this to the Board of Supervisors for approval without delay. I'm not out of time yet. <laughs> with, with the following provisions. A minimum of 70% soil protected, no savings clause as this will result in a built-in loophole which gives higher priority to residential density over prime soils preservation. If the ordinance goes forward with that loophole, then the county should institute a specs process to require any development developer asking to utilize it to go through legislative review to let other experts weigh in on it. If 70% prime soils are not preserved, many of the concessions that were made by the farmland preservation side of the equation really need to be revisited and looked at, in particular putting drain fields on open space instead of on the lots they serve. Those concessions were made in good faith to reach that 70% number, and if we're not even going to do that, we need to take a second look at that. Thank you for your work on this vital or ordinance. Uh, it's absolutely essential to the priorities of our Western Loudoun agricultural feature. Please pass it along. Thank you. That is everyone I have signed up in advance in the room. We do have online speakers. Is there anyone else present in the room who'd like to speak on the Prime Ag Soils item tonight? Okay, we'll go ahead and move to our online speakers. Um, I believe we have Scott Brainerd. Do we have him online? Yes, can you hear me? I can. Your two minutes is up, or is, is ready. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Thank, Go ahead thank and start. Thank you so much. My name is Scott Brainerd. I live in Lovettsville. 
but I'm traveling for work right now, so I appreciate the opportunity to speak remotely. I would like to echo some of the comments that we've heard this evening already. That I think the Prime Ag's uh, zoning amendment is uh, very well crafted at not to limit the rate or overall amount of development in Loudoun County, but to structure that development in a way that balances numerous objectives. I think what the Kinley-Horn study results bear out quite clearly is that in the overwhelming majority of cases, there will be no reduction in lot yield. That means no reduction in conservation easement value and no meaningful increases in cost. So that's the data in front of us, limited as it is. Uh, I think there's plenty of conversations to be had about how to make conservation easements even more accessible and attractive to landowners, but that's a separate conversation. And this LM is well structured at the 70% threshold to not limit the rate of development, but to make it smarter. So I would also like to uh, echo what others have already stated about the savings clause being added at the last second in a form that, uh, as it currently stands, really uh, represents a massive potential for a loophole for the real spirit of the zone to not be respected. So. I would also encourage this to be passed to the board for a vote without the savings clause modified, uh, as was suggested already, to follow uh, a legislative, not administrative procedure. Um, thank you so much for your continued attention to this. Um, I think it's really important to the future of Loudoun. Thank you. Thank you. Do we have any additional online speakers? We do not. We do not. Okay. Last call in the room for prime ag soil item. All right. We will close out the uh, public comment on the prime ag soil ZOAM, and we will move on to the second item on our agenda, LEGI 2023-0069, Philemont Fire and Rescue Station. Again, we will start with the folks who are signed up and in the room with us, John Burho, Paul Roxenberg, Peter West. Good evening, I'm uh, Rear Admiral Burho, a retired Coast Guard officer. I spent over three decades of uh, my life uh, saving life and property at sea. I have enormous respect for those who risk their lives to serve and to save others. My wife and I live three miles west of Philemont, near the Airmont store, near where my wife grew up on a farm on Ebenezer Church Road. I'm here to voice my support for building a new fire station, believing strongly that this will best serve Loudoun County. Having read all that I could read about the choice between building new or to renovate, for me it comes down to the firefighters and EMTs who will risk their lives to save others. First responders deserve the very best and most current facilities that we can afford to give them. And they deserve the most modern, safe, and comfortable places possible to attract, train, and retain the most talented professionals and volunteers, our lives, and our homes depend on it. A facility is a reflection of the people inside. 
I urge you to support building a new station on the fire and rescue training grounds. Thank you. Go ahead. Good evening. My name is Peter West. I'm with the Philmont Fire Department. I have served in Fairfax County and Loudoun County for 50 years as a fire, volunteer firefighter, 25 years as a fire chief. I've operated in seven different fire stations in my career, and I feel I'm qualified to know a good fire station design when I see one. I support the construction of the new fire station at the uh, Philmont train, Fire Training Grounds. The proposed renovation of the current station is guaranteed to produce a bad result. There are too many compromises will have to be made to fit a five-acre facility onto 2.2 acres. Some of the most important issues are the building interior design and people flow will be compromised to accommodate existing walls and columns supporting the building today. The vehicle traffic within the site and particularly onto Snickersville Turnpike will be compromised and more dangerous. The on-site parking will be compromised and the community center may lose part of its parking due to the addition of the required station parking and the recycling center will be, have to be moved to another location. There's likely insufficient space on the site for an expanded septic field and a reserve field. The National Park Service has approved the addition of the Philmont Village as a National Register of Historic Places. The historic look of the village center will be destroyed by doubling the size of the renovated building. The best way to preserve the historic village is leave the old fire station alone. Finally, the cost of renovating the current station will add anywhere from six to $10 million to the project currently not budgeted. It will certainly add considerable cost and schedule risk to the project. The lesson from other fire station is keep it simple and do it right in the first place. If we do not do that, we'll end up with the worst operational fire station in Loudoun County. Let's not make that mistake. Let's do the right thing from the beginning. Thank you. Uh, just before I continue, Paul Roxenberg, not here. Oh. Can I just, Paul has COVID? Oh, no. Okay. Well, we, we wish him a speedy recovery. All right. We will move on. Keith Brower, Jr., Alexander Nance. Good evening, Commissioners. Uh, my name is Keith Brower. I'm here tonight, here tonight in support of staff's recommendation on the Philmont Fire Station. I'm the former chief of Loudoun County Fire and Rescue. I retired in 2018 after 45 years of combined career and volunteer service here in the county. The addition of career staffing around the clock, career and volunteer staffing around the clock is more than just the approval of a simple budgetary line item. It brings significant logistical issues to the forefront. Where will these members bunk and shower? Are facilities in place for male and female? Are office spaces needed? Is there potable water and adequate septic to support 24, 7, 24 by 7 needs? Is the building breathing air free from known carcinogens with apparatus exhaust? And the list goes on. In Philemont's case, the addition of 24-7 staff over 10 years ago resulted in the immediate deconstruction of a portion of the social hall upstairs in order to construct additional career crews. 
Offices consumed other spaces used by the volunteers, and one of the interior stairwells required enclosing with panic hardware in order to meet the building code. There was no building code 63 years ago. As time went on, me, the county, we oversaw reconstruction of older facilities in Percival, Middleburg, Round Hill, Hamilton, Ashburn, Aldi, Arcola, Luckett's, and Nearsville. In each one, despite the best planning and design, there were various hidden factors which resulted in construction delays and cost overruns. I'm very well aware that in I'm very aware that well-intentioned alternative proposals to redesign the Philemont station in place have been brought forth. The Middleburg project of note has been cited of a great example of rebuild in place. But there's a large gap between redesign and rebuild. And Middleburg, which was supposed to take 18 months, took us four years, resulted in two or three contractors finishing the project with massive cost overruns. I can't predict the future but my experience in this area leads me to confidently recommend approval of the county staff report. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, my name is Alexander Nance. I'm speaking on behalf of the Virginia Piedmont Heritage Area this evening. Uh, our mission is to educate and advocate for the protection of the natural and historic resources of the Northern Virginia Piedmont, including Loudoun County. And tonight we respectfully request that the Planning Commission deny the current special exception and commission a permit to build a new fire station on the historic Philmont Horse Show grounds, and that the county give consideration to an alternate proposal to renovate and maintain the existing Philmont Fire Station. The proposal to build a new fire station on the horse show grounds is inconsistent with the 2019 comprehensive plan for the rural policy area. And furthermore, this proposed new structure is not compatible with the village. The community's firehouse belongs in the village where for decades it has been a part of the core community fabric of the village. Beyond the fire station, the horse show grounds are a community green space and are an invaluable part of Philemon's heritage. And the horse show grounds should be protected and allowed to remain a place for the local community to gather. This issue is similar to the recent conversation over Mickey Gordon Park in Middleburg, and we implore the county to hear the pleas of Philemont residents that the horse show grounds should be preserved as a shared green space for the community. We thank the county for responding to the local community on that issue, and we hope that this success story will launch a new era where county governance works with Western Loudoun residents on issues that impact their individual and unique historic communities. Thank you all for your time this evening and for your careful consideration of this important issue. Thank you. Uh, Emily Houston and Jane Covington, and if you would do our timekeeper a favor, let me know which of you is speaking on behalf of the organization tonight, although only one of you is up. <laughs> that may tell us. Yes, I'm Emily Houston, and I'm speaking for the Heritage Commission. The Heritage Commission strongly recommends the Planning Commission choose the option of adaptive reuse and protection of open space, both consistent with the county's heritage plan. We have written to the Board of Supervisors on this issue twice, and I provided copies of these letters to have them included in the record of this meeting. The firehouse and horse show grounds are both contributing structures to the Philmont Historic District on the National Register of Historic Places. The existing firehouse is sited on a large two-acre parcel with ample space for expansion and adaptive reuse. Building a new facility on the Horseshoe grounds is destructive of historic resources and runs counter to the county's own heritage plan. 
Moreover, adaptive reuse is consistent with the voice of the residents of Philemont, who have overwhelmingly voted to protect their historic structures and open space. The firehouse in Sterling is demonstrated proof that a two-story firehouse is a viable alternative. Therefore, adaptive reuse of the existing firehouse, especially since it is a contributing structure of the, to a national historic district, should be a priority option for Philemont. The Heritage Commission would also like to highlight the history of the horse show grounds as outlined in the National Register documentation. The horse show grounds was purchased in 1962 with money raised by the Philemont community through generous donations and endless volunteer labor. For decades, Philemont residents and the PVFD worked hand in hand to operate the horse show, the annual fundraiser to support the fire department. In 2005, a new generation of firemen rewrote the bylaws, terminated lifetime members' tenure, and brought in new leadership of the fire department and a different relationship with the Philemont community. The new PVFD leaders moved away from community activities, phased out their volunteer contributions, and left the community saddled with full responsibility for fundraising. This new generation of PVFD leaders are not part of the Philemont community, are not stakeholders, and are making recommendations to destroy an historic community asset. Using history as a guide, the firehouse and horse show grounds belong to the Philemont community. These public hearings are designed for the specific purpose of allowing public opinion to be heard and considered. The Heritage Commission strongly recommends the Planning Commission listen to the community, which is so diametrically opposed to a new firehouse. American democracy has its roots in its villages from colonial times. Public buildings and the grounds surrounding them serve as meeting places where the community elected their leaders, raised funds for the common good, and celebrated holidays. Philemont's fire station and its horse show grounds are a legacy of this grand tradition. Everyone honors and supports our firefighters and rescue workers, and we want them to enjoy modern facilities. But it's also important to listen to the people, and they have clearly spoken. Thank you. Thank you. So, no, Jane Covington not here, right? Okay. Christopher Young, Kevin Kelly, and Madeline Skinner. Good evening, Commissioners. My name is Christopher Young. I am a volunteer with the Philemont Fire Department, but I'm here today to speak as a resident of Philemont, where we have lived for almost 40 years. We're so lucky. It's a beautiful countryside with open rolling terrain, lots of green space, mountain views. I certainly support the need to preserve the rural landscape and to respect the history of Western Loudoun County. That's why I urge you to accept the application from the Loudoun County Fire Rescue to build a new, modern fire rescue station on the seven-acre fireman's training ground that was once also used for an annual volunteer fire department-sponsored horse show. The proper with proper landscape screening, this will be a far less imposing threat to the history and the tranquility of the hamlet of Philmont than expanding the current two-story firehouse to more than double its footprint, dwarfing the general store in the community center, 
paving everything and disrupting cell service. Bottom line, our dedicated first responders deserve the very best accommodations and safest workspace that can be provided with no concessions. We should trust that the Loudoun County Fire Rescue leadership knows what is best for their personnel when making this application. The old Philemont Firehouse can be repurposed as a community facility. And for those who are concerned about preserving our green space in western Loudoun, they should put their properties in conservation easements, as we did, and urge their neighbors to do the same. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening. Uh, my name is Kevin Kelly. I am the chief of Percival Volunteer Rescue. I am the vice chair of the EMSOC, one of the committees for the county's governance process in the combined volunteer career system. I am also a resident of Percival for going on uh, 17, 18 years. The EMSOC and I stand in support of building a state-of-the-art facility for Philmont. It is essential that we provide a safe environment for both career and volunteer responders, both from where they can work and live and from which they can respond. It is also critical that we provide first-rate care and look at the increased needs of that area from a staff perspective to ensure that when 911 calls in that area, Philmont come in, they are able to receive the timely level of care that we now understand medicine demands. When we speak about cardiac arrests, when we speak about strokes, we often measure that in minutes of care. It is essential that that area of the county has an estate of the art facility from which care can be rendered to the very people of that community that are so important to every volunteer and first responder in support of it. When we look at the options in the new stations that are being put in, they are safer to operate in, they are safer to respond from, and I hope you consider the importance with the staff recommendation. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, while Ms. Skinner comes up, can I also have John Myers and Dale Myers? Good evening, Planning Commissioners. I am Madeline Skinner, Chair of the Loudoun Historic Village Alliance and a 25-year resident of Philemont. Let's hope the good vibes of the zoning ordinance rewrite passing in this room last night will inspire you all to continue the good work and support us by adhering not only to the comp plan, but also the revised Village Conservation Overlay District and the new Adaptive Reuse Zoning, all of which screamed to deny this special exception. Strange about the timing of this special exception meeting, originally we were supposed to be here in first quarter of 2024. I have a screen print of that. Maybe there was worry that additional special exceptions would be needed. Here we are at a crossroads. What is ironic, since there is usually a sign that you are entering one of Loudoun's rural historic villages based on the crossroads, the Loudoun Historic Village Alliance has spent the last five years working as one voice for our treasured historic villages, first with the comp plant revisions in 2019, and then with ZOR revisions and additions, all to protect and preserve our villages, and all of our changes were approved. Respect the work that has been done planning staff and the Board of Supervisors did. 
In addition to the preservation groups, you have one of the board's advisory committees here tonight who just spoke, the Heritage Commission, to remind you of how this goes against county's heritage plan, along with why this special exception should be denied. Listen to them. That is why they are here. The idea that all the safety and comfort requirements cannot be met with a modern two-level building versus a one-level building is absurd. Look at Middleburg, Sterling, Loudoun Heights, Ashburn, and thousands of firehouses across the country. The destruction of seven acres of green space that should be a community park for all to enjoy is counter to the heritage plan. It is wasteful and environmentally wrong. One of Philemont's residents sent you an environmental impact report on their property's pond, which receives water from the Horseshoe Grounds pond. Read it, please. There is only one community green space along Snickersville Turnpike. That's the Horseshoe Grounds. For those who don't know what that means, it's for public use, not the same as someone's private property, even if they have it in conservation easement. That is still private property. This is going to be, this was already mentioned once, and there'll be a mention of this again in somebody else's speech. Let's look at some of what we are dealing with. During the National Register application process, Philemont VFD fought us with misinformation at the VDHR meeting in Richmond, our community meeting at Roselle Chapel, and even posted it on their website. This is a screen printout of it, and I can assure you it'll probably disappear after tonight. Although um, this, they just sent out this mailer two weeks ago, filled with more misinformation, and interestingly enough, had nothing about the upcoming guided tour of the Philemont Firehouse on December 2nd. That was not on their website. It wasn't on their marquees. It also has something about a survey. If you fill it out online, it doesn't ask you for your address. You don't really know where people are coming from. Unfortunately, I'm out of time, and there are so many more examples of how this little club that is supposed to be a 501c3 volunteer organization stopped allowing new members in August 2021. I know. I reapplied. I was a member of the Philemont Fire Department Auxiliary for 18 years. They have negatively impacted our village and its residents for almost 20 years. Stop enabling them. Deny the special exception and tell the board to approve an additional renovation that will meet county guidelines and zoning and be the best fit for our village. The village of Philemont deserves better consideration over a handful of mostly non-residents who don't give a hoot about our village or its residents. Listen to those of us who love our village and stop being hoodwinked. Congratulations to our village for being added to the National Register of Historic Places last week. We are very proud of that. I hope you honor and take this designation into consideration. Thank you. Neighbors, friends, fellow Loudoun County residents and commissioners. My name is John Myers, lifelong fourth generation Loudoun County resident and president of the Loudoun Career Firefighter Association, Local 3756, the union that represents over 600 firefighters, medics, fire marshals, and emergency dispatchers that serve Loudoun County. As a firefighter for over 23 years, I've seen firsthand the beauty and strength of our rapidly growing community, but I've also seen the vulnerability that comes with living in a rapidly changing landscape and can turn dangerous in the blink of an eye. That's why I stand here before you today, not just as a resident, but as a professional firefighter, a president who's seen the limitations of this current fire station and the location firsthand. Our current setup is like a loyal old horse, dependable but past its prime. It served us well, but it simply can't keep up with the changing needs of our growing community. Our response times are stretched thin, our equipment is outdated, and this facility is cramped and inefficient. 
don't get me wrong, our members are the heart and soul of this department. They're the ones who leap in the flames, brave the storms, and run towards danger while others run away. But they deserve better. They deserve a station that equips them to do their job safely and efficiently. A station that puts them closer to the people they're sworn to protect. Imagine this, a fire rubs in the dead of night, every minute counts. And by the time we arrive, the flames are already the rafters of a house. Now, imagine the same scenario, but with a new station strategically updated and located. We'd be on scene quicker, giving those families a fighting chance, a chance we can't afford to take away. This isn't just about response times, though. It's about giving our firefighters the tools they need to do their jobs. Modern equipment, proper facilities, a space that fosters camaraderie and to keep them safe. A new fire station location wouldn't just be a building. It would be a symbol of our commitment to the safety of our first responders and to the safety of every resident in Loudoun County. Now, I know some of you might ask, can't we just make do what we have? But think about it this way. Would you send your loved ones into battle with outdated weapons and, and inadequate equipment? We wouldn't. And our firefighters are the front lines of our community's safety every single day. Investing in a new fire station and location isn't just about bricks and mortar. It's about investing in our future. It's about building a safer Loudoun County, one where families can sleep soundly at night knowing that help is just minutes away. It's about honoring the legacy of those who came and served before us and ensuring that our children inherit a community where safety is not a question mark, but a promise. So I urge you to join me in calling for a new fire station and location. Let's work together to build a future where our firefighters are empowered, our families are protected, and our community stands united at any danger that may arise. Thank you, and remember, a safer Loudoun County starts with a new fire station and location. Let's make this happen together. Thank you. While Ms. Myers comes up, can I have William Ridge and Stephen Price? Good evening. I'm Dale Myers. I actually live in the old village of Ashburn, but the reason why I come before you tonight <clears throat> is I had the pleasure and the privilege to serve as, as the Board of Supervisors Chairman from 1995 until 1999. In that capacity, I had the privilege also of serving on the Fire and Rescue Service Plan that was done at that time to look at going forward on what we needed to look at to ensure that one of the most important things in our county, public safety, Fire and Rescue, was taken care of and looked at the long term. We wanted to make sure that we were looking at knowing that we had a system that would be combined, blended, and also being a partnership, not one that overtook the other, at looking at strategic placements and also making sure that we were keeping up with the designs of our Western Loudoun. As I looked at the 252 pages that I read before you tonight, I would say to you that what I saw is it's documented. It does conform with the 2019 general plan, the application that's before you tonight. It does conform with the special exception requirements that are before you tonight. And it also conforms with the commission permit that's requested before you tonight. I would ask you to consider all of those things. But more importantly, when we talk about the preservation of Western Loudoun, when I have the opportunity, and I'm out there every day, I work in Western Loudoun, when I have the opportunity that I can drive by this in the protection of, of the Philmont area, or I could drive by this, to me, this is the horse buildings that I see, the farms that I see on Snickersville Turnpike. We're looking for something that blends, that has open space, that creates a public park look. This has all of it. Fire stations belong to the community. They're much as a public, a public spice as a green space. I would encourage you tonight to accept what's been put before you and send it to the board supervisors with a recommendation of approval. Thank you so much. Thank you. Mr. Ridge. Thank you. My name is William Grant. Thank you, Madam Chairman and the committee. <clears throat> I'm a resident, been a homeowner since 2009. I live about nine-tenths of a mile from the current fire station. 
I spent 35 years in academic medicine, retiring as associate dean for graduate medical education, and held a full professorship in emergency medicine, and I'm a professor emeritus. I supervised the construction of a primary care facility in a multiple community emergency center and response building. I was a co-founder of the New York Upstate Medical Reserve Corps, where our first assignment was to send 163 volunteers to Hurricane Katrina and they're responsible. So I have a lot of familiarity with first responders and their needs and how it works. The 42 square mile first due area of the Philemont Fire Station encompasses not only Philemont, but close to 1,300 residents on 1,500 properties and protects about 4,300 souls. During the 30, 67 years of the current facility, the nature of the county and the local region have changed significantly. The nature and standards of first responder requirements and their equipment training have also evolved. Also changing have been the requirements for decontamination areas, living areas, continuous education, commitment, and rig maintenance. It's time to move forward. Since 2013, when the Philippine Volunteer Fire Department formally proposed in their strategic plan uh, with a site offered to the county in 2015 at no cost, there have been numerous meetings and studies. These activities included the unrestricted approval by Loudoun County of this project. The bond referendum to fund this project was approved by 75% of the voters in Loudoun County. Do not leave our region and local communities of Philemont, Silicon Springs, Aramont, Unison, Foxcroft, Mountville, and Norfolk, and the most importantly, our firefighters and rescue personnel without the station they deserve. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Price, uh, while you're getting up, we will go ahead and take uh, Chief Pearsall and William Grant. Good evening, my name is Bill Ridge, a resident of Philmont, and I'm representing the Philmont Village Foundation. Um, okay, so first of all, I wanna agree with most of what's been said here. Philmont deserves a new fire station. Not sure what people have been looking at, but the proposal that I have made and given to, to you all represents a brand new fire station with all the requirements of the uh, station as designed on the horse show grounds met in the, um, on the existing site. We uh, met, Delaney Morrison and I met with Chief Johnson and Scott Warrist about exactly a year ago to go through those proposals um, I presented a couple of proposals. Chief Johnson looked at them and said, this will only work if all the apparatus is in one area with a hot zone, cold zone separation, decontamination, self-contained. So I modified the design to do, to do that. However, that's, that my proposal was never studied as a feasibility study. DTCI went and studied the proposals that had preceded that meeting. They did not take the results of that meeting. They did not listen to Chief Johnson and when he said that all the apparatus had to be in the new facility. Furthermore, they, the, the, they located the new building um, in their feasibility study seven feet up in the air, which required a lot of fill and retaining walls. That's not the proposal. I don't know why they did that other than the fact that there will be some stairs to get from the new building into the existing building. Third thing is, um, all of the firefighting functions 
will be in a new building, which meets all the requirements, with brand new bunk and bunk room and uh, locker room shower facilities on the second floor. Um, in terms of response times, I know in Sterling they have a fire pole. That's the quickest way to get from bunk rooms down to the apparatus is down, down a pole, rather than running 70, 90 feet down a corridor on a, on a one-story building. So uh, we can meet all the requirements of the county and of the fire department and give Philemont a first-class fire station without disrupting the horse show grounds and for substantially less money because a new building on the existing site will be a 12,000 square foot building because there's about 6,000 square feet of the program that can be fit in the existing building with minor renovations. Um, so, so the cost will be less um, despite what the feasibility study says. I'm sorry, I'm um, not clear on the timing, but. Yes. Um, You're good. All right, thank okay. you. Thank you. Good evening. My name is Rick Pearsall. I am the chief and 26-year volunteer and life member of the Philemont Volunteer Fire Department. I've been a full-time resident of Philemont for over 28 years and a 45-plus year resident of Loudoun County. Over the last several weeks, I have talked with and met many of you. So you already have heard why the approval of this special exception is important and is the best and right decision. I want to again thank the commissioners who took the time from their busy lives and personal personally visited and put boots on the ground. I credit Mark Miller with that. The Philmont Volunteer Fire Department existing station and the proposed new station site. I hope it helped you better formulate your decision on the special exception application and why it's the right decision. I firmly believe the best win-win situation for the community, Loudoun County Fire and Rescue, and Loudoun County is the approval of this special exception that places a new 50-year station on the proposed site with all the efficiencies and best health and safety benefits and practices while providing the best protection for the first responder and citizens and enables the his existing historic station to be turned into a community resource asset in conjunction with the existing Philemont Community Center for the community to enjoy for years to come. The potential is significant, such as school activities for the kids, day and evening senior activities such as yoga, cooking classes, a gym, meeting rooms, and even a commuter telework center if that's what's requested, to name only a few. Lastly, I want to thank all our supporters. Signs, please. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> Um, that showed up this evening to show support for the approval of the special exception. Your support is important and validates the cause. PVFD thanks you for taking the time out of your busy personal holiday schedule to be here tonight. There were many more that wanted to and had planned to attend this evening, but given their busy life, family schedules, work commitments, and even some health concerns, were unable to attend. I referenced Paul Roxenberg got COVID. We also had one speaker that broke their leg today. So they're, they're at Lansdowne right now. In summary, approval of this special exception is the right decision for Philmont, the right decision for Loudoun County Fire and Rescue, and the right decision for Loudoun County. Thank you. Thank you. Did you call my name, Stephen Bryce? Okay, go ahead. I have an additional handout if I give it to the clerk. While Mr. Price is coming up, we'll have William Grant and Rodney Crone. 
My name is Stephen Price. Uh, I've lived in Philemont for 15 years. Uh, prior to that, I lived for over 10 years in, in Unison, which is part of the first two area. I've been in Loudoun County since 1977. Um, I'm, there's a lot of issues here, but what I want to speak to is, in my limited time, to this issue of the horse show grounds. Uh, I've pre-filed some materials with you. What you'll see is that the first horse show occurred in 1957 and the last in 2019 when COVID put an end to it. And then the, then the uh, fire department uh, 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 disrupted the facility so you could no longer have it. Uh, as you'll see, I, I've attached here uh, the, the 1959 program, just the cover. It, sh it shows that it was at the Griffith Farm and part of the materials that I gave you is a copy of the, of the deed for the Griffith Farm. The Griffith Farm was sold in 1960, so it, they had to come up with a new site for the Philemont uh, Horse Show. And so then, in fact, in 1962, the property was purchased. Now, it said it was for $10. That's because you can't read a deed or understand a deed that says $10 and other good and valuable consideration. You have to look at the tax at the end, which shows that $4,300 was paid for the property, which is about $43,000 in uh, current, uh, current money, 2023 money. Um, this, was all done, this was all done by money raised in the community. I've passed out the, the program from the 1960 program. If you look through there and see all the, so the, the sponsors, the banks, the car dealers, this, this was a huge event that raised a lot of money for the horse show uh, and and for the Philemont uh, Fire Department. But the whole point is that title was taken by the Philemont Fire Department because it was the only community organization there capable of holding title. And so for now the fire department to say after it was given to them in trust for a horse show that to take it over, it's a, it's a, it's a monumental breach of the trust in which this asset was uh, entrusted to them. Um, the, uh, the, what, what I want, also want to say is that we have, just very quickly, that, that the Philemont Volunteer Fire Department is not a fire department. They close the doors. It's a private club of 10 or 12 people, none of which are running any calls at all that have taken over these community assets that were paid for and raised by members of the community. They've told you how the bond passed with a 77 percent uh, uh, pass rate in the county to pay for it. But I give it, I've, I've, part of my attachment that I pre-filed is the results of that. It had passed in every precinct in the county except for three. It failed in Philemont, it failed in the Philemont Fire Station precinct, and it failed in, it failed in the St. Louis precinct, all the first due areas for this fire department. So the, the people that live there voted against the bond referendum because they think it's a boondoggle, it's un, unnecessarily needed. We have four people that are on duty there at any one time, and they want to build a firehouse with bunks for 32 people. Sir, you're, you're, thank you. you're more than a minute over. Thank you. All right. Mr. Grant? Oh, yep, okay. All right. Rodney Crone? And then we have Peter Reinick. Rinick? Commissioners? Hello, my name is Rodney Crone, Sr. I moved to Philemont 52 years ago. This month, four months later, I became a member 
of the fire department. I retired after 48 years. And in 40 year, 48 years, there was a whole lot of change in Loudoun County, from a whole lot of nothing to where it is now. So everything has got to keep up with progress. In December 1971, I could drive from Tyson's Corner to Leesburg and see only six cars. Today, I can see that in the blink of an eye. How's the replacing farmlands? Route 7 becomes wider from this. Demands for everything increases, including emergency services. The current firefighters live, eat, and sleep in the firehouse 24 hours on shifts as they answer your emergency calls. The fire department is giving the fire and rescue training grounds, also known as the old horse show grounds, giving the old station back for community resources. The seven acres is owned by the fire department, not the community. The funds and the horse show and other activities were used for money for operational expenses. We cannot operate without those fundraisers. It is not the only green space in the community. There's a lot if you look around. This has been studied for 10 years. This is a stall tactic by the opposition. Career firefighters can be on a call for most of a night in the worst conditions. I've been there and done that. They deserve the best. They are protecting you. Ask not what your fire department can do for you. Ask what you can do for your fire department. That's a quote with alterations from President Kennedy, January 20th, 1961. We are a community. Let's stop fighting and break ground. There is no perfect solution to this. Quit looking. A house divided will fall. In summary, I support the new station at the old horseshoe grounds and training centers. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening. My name is Peter Reinick, and I've lived in the Philmont area for over 30 years. And I'm here to give my full support for building on the fire and rescue training grounds. The architect has did a fantastic job of designing this facility. It it's, um, looks like a barn structure. It's set back, the roof lines, the color, everything else. In fact, I think it's going to, if this is built here, it would be used as a model in other areas of how to design a facility like this to blend in with the community. I'm very impressed. The other thing that's nice about this, it's set back, so it, there's a big green area in the front, so it can serve as the community park as well. You can have a trail going through there. You could have interpretive uh, native garden in that area. So I think it could serve uh, dual purposes. But why build it on here? The, the other, other site, um, the existing site, we can maintain that existing building without destroying the downtown core. It can, we have, um, they've already said that the fire station is going to be given to the community. It's going to be used as a community center. The core stays in place. So right now, it's um, sort of in conflict with the existing community center. It's kind of dangerous in that situation. And it's, to expand this is to double the size. The site's just too small. It is 27, 26 feet of grade change from the front to the back. Um, by the time you, you work with that grade change, trying to get the septic field in there, trying to get your stormwater management and um, LID stuff in there, it becomes extremely tight to do. So why, why build on this um, new facility? It's because 
of how the, the facility has been designed to blend with the um, existing community to make it a barn-like structure. The community open space you can achieve the same way with the gardens in the front. Um, because the site's so big, you can do more creative LIDs, which the community is trying to do, bioretention swales and everything else. It's not a steep site. Um, it doesn't destroy, destroy the town core. It reuses the existing buildings and it, it reduces the, um, the cost because you don't have to build a temporary structure while this structure is torn down. You can, uh, the cost of doing that, it would probably have to be built on the, the uh, fire and rescue station grounds anyway. So my, the, the biggest point I want to make is to trust the trained consultants that have evaluated the options for the county that have fully actually designed facilities like this. The off-site facility, the fire and rescue um, station grounds is the best choice. Thank you. Uh, Douglas Frost, Tom Lacey, and Richard Wilson. Good evening, Chair Frank and Commissioners. My name is Doug Frost, and I'm a 27-year resident of Philemon. I live about a mile away from the current station. I'm a registered professional engineer with 43 years experience in engineering design and construction. Uh, and I've also been on the Philemon Volunteer Fire Department board member for 24 years and currently serve as the chairman. The Philemont Volunteer Fire Department is a Virginia registered corporation established in 1956 for the following purposes. One, fight fires in Philemont and the surrounding area. Two, buy, own, and operate equipment for fire and rescue purposes. Three, purchase and own real estate necessary for the promotion of the purposes of the corporation. And four, to raise money for the purposes of financing, the purchase of equipment and real estate to promote and carry out the mission of the corporation. For decades, the Volunteer Fire Department was able to meet the fire and rescue needs of our community with the volunteers. When the fire and siren went off, the volunteers would run to the station, man the equipment, rush to the fire, put the wet stuff on the hot stuff. In accordance with our mission, fundraising events were held to purchase fire trucks and expand the station to meet the growing fire and rescue needs of our growing community. The fire station housed the equipment, not the firefighters. <clears throat> the property um, was acquired to promote the mission of the corporation, and once a year, it was used to generate funds for the corporation to help pay the new equipment. I'm talking about the horse show grounds. Times change and once 100% volunteer fire department, it has to change too. The steady decline of volunteers beginning this century forced us to seek needed assistance from Loudoun County Fire and Rescue to man our station. Today we rely on nearly 100% paid Firefighters, we have one active operational member, Mr. Pierce, Chief Pierce. Um, for the last 10 years, we have done our very best to make the station livable 24-7 for our paid county staff. 
The station has served us well, but now it's time for us to retire our station and let the Loudoun County Fire and Rescue build a new station on the seven acre training grounds. Consistent with our volunteer um, mission, we are gifting the training grounds to the county for the explicit purpose of constructing a new county-owned fire station which can meet all the county building codes and fire station programmatic requirements. A station that will protect the health and well-being of the county's dedicated firefighters, have room for a full-time ambulance, and allow for faster response times, and support the Loudoun County Fire and Rescue mission for the next 50 years. The purpose of tonight's working session is to rule on the special exception for the new station on the training grounds. The existing station, very important, the existing station and property, the 2.2 acres it sits on, will not be given to or sold to Loudoun County for the purpose of renovating or rebuilding a new fire station. The Philmont Volunteer Fire Department Board intends to repurpose, we've heard before tonight, repurpose the existing station for the benefit of the community and help preserve the historic structure for years to come. I respectfully request you approve the special exception to allow the new station on the training grounds. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's see, Mr. Lacey and Mr. Wilson. Tom Lacey, Philemont. I wanted to review some of the protections that are in the general code. They didn't come out of thin air, they didn't come out of consultants, and they didn't come out of somebody's imagination. The protections for green space, controlling growth, protections for historic village, have a certain history in reference to the new uh, 2019 general plan. They, essentially the process started by the county in something they called look, learn, and listen. That was, in, that was the Envision Loudon process, started in 2016. Thousands of people were surveyed, continued through the process, five stages, two years. The opinions were eventually summarized, and that allowed, essentially, the stakeholders to present the summary of Envision Loudon that offered guidance for principals now in the 2019 plan. The, uh, the principles are, are clearly stated, protect open space, manage growth, save historic villages, along the lines of the, essentially, the process that started with Envision Loudon, made concrete in the ordinance and principles in the current 2019 plan, I urge not building on the horse show grounds. This would be inconsistent with the plans uh, it would be inconsistent with the policy started earlier with the Envision Loudon process. Controlled growth, safe historic villages wasn't a work of imagination from the county board. It started with a citizen's input. The citizens still, to this day, don't want a new building on the horse show grounds. It's reflected in the bond vote, 688 to 824 when the item was put up as a bond referendum three years ago. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Mr. Wilson comes up, uh, Tia Airman and Drew Bishop. 
Good evening, commissioners. My name is Richard Wilson. Uh, I've been a resident of Philemont for 31 years. My wife and I have raised uh, 10 children there, seven boys and three girls. And uh, I'd like to address some of the uh, misinformation that's been thrown at the community and the misdirection. Um, for instance, uh, my boys played countless games of uh, basketball on the uh, community center. The girls had uh, lessons in piano and such like that. Now we're told that if we're going to have it uh, renovate the, the old firehouse, they'll have to raise that building. Um, I, don't, I don't know how, where that came in and uh, how that happened. Um, I'd also like to state that I'm a retired DC fireman. Uh, I spent the, most of my career in the busiest engine company in the city. Uh, our station was the seventh busiest in the nation, so I know about the uh, workings of the fire department. Um, five of my boys served in the service, anywhere from um, combat corpsman up to lieutenant colonel in special operations. They grew up in that community and were very much a part of it. Um, it comes to the current issue of, uh, it's what, $35 million plus for the uh, renovate or the building of a new fire station when the renovation can be a fraction of that cost. Uh, and it was also voted down by the majority of the people in that community. Um, so my question is, why are we going to spend all of that money uh, when we can just save tens of millions of dollars renovating it? Um, it was stated recently that uh, the response time is uh, directly impacted by the size of the building. That's simply not true. Uh, response time is impacted by road conditions such as ice, fog, rain, snow. Uh, it's got nothing, and if, there's day, if it's daylight response or a nighttime response, so, and also is how fast the personnel can get on the apparatus and respond. So that whole thing about the size of a station house, that, that, that's not gonna impact, uh, it has nothing to do with it. Uh, also it was mentioned about, uh, you want, now I have nothing but respect for the rank and file as a retired member. But um, things that are thrown out there like the decontamination station, uh, we do need that, of course, you gotta have, you gotta protect the personnel. But it was brought up recently about all the uh, rescue dogs uh, from 9-11 have since died. Well, of course they're going to die. I mean, what dog has a uh, shelf life of 23 years? So the point being is, um, and also those clouds of billowing smoke that we all witnessed horrifically on lower Manhattan, that was filled with asbestos because there were no codes and the fire retardant material that was placed on the I-beams. So all those clouds were, and now the CDC sends, um, as it says this, 400,000 people were affected by that. So the bad news is they're all gonna die of cancer. That's what's going to happen. So to bring up, with the chief brought up about 9-11 and the dogs and the contamination, what has that got to do with how many hazmat incidents have there been in Philemont? And also is that everybody does bonfires. You get carcinogens from that. Everybody has a fire pit now. Even when you barbecue, there's carcinogens. So when they talk about you know, spending uh, an absolute fortune on that, I mean, I'm lost. Um, Sir. I see my time is up, over. so before the trap door falls out, uh, I just say that I am very much opposed because it's not needed, the new station. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for not making me push the trap door button. <laughs> uh, welcome back.
Hi, long time no see. <laughs> Good evening again. Um, for the record, my name is Tia Ehrman. I'm speaking to you this evening on behalf of the Piedmont Environmental Council um, to offer our thoughts on the fire station again. Um, just the location uh, name should set the tone for this fire station. It's located in the historic village of Philmont. Um, actually technically within the historic overlay uh, and should be designed and constructed to reflect the unique setting appropriately and as directed by our county documents. Um, several other speakers have mentioned the county documents have a lot to say about our historic villages. There are 12 that are named. This is one of them. <laughs> and the project is in direct contradiction of much of the community developed and board approved guidance. From our countywide comprehensive plan, chapter two, page 105, rural historic villages, policy number one, develop and use in rural historic villages, sorry, development and uses in rural historic villages must be compatible with the historic development pattern, community character, visual identity, intensity, and scale of the individual villages. This project is none of those things. Continuing on under policy one, strategy 1.2 more explicitly directs, preserve the character of the villages and their historic structures and sites through the rehabilitation and adaptive reuse of existing buildings. Action A, promote and support building maintenance and improvements to preserve the existing building stock and the character of the villages. How does this application follow any of that direction? This project and many of the core issues it has raised feel a bit like Groundhog's Day to us. Echoing issues the county stumbled over with both Mickey Gordon Park application and the Aldi Fire Station not long ago. In all three cases, um, the failure to differentiate between facilities designed for Eastern Loudoun and Western Loudoun, the lack of community buy-in and communication between the county and the residents most impacted by the developments are all very troubling. The vast majority of the Philmont community residents have raised objections to this project every time they've been asked to do so. Um, and would like their original firehouse remodeled and expanded in order to provide the firefighters with safe modern facilities. The character of their village left intact and unbroken as all of our county documents support and the horse show grounds preserved as green space, not for an individual, but a community as publicly accessible parks and green spaces are badly needed in all parts of Loudoun County. I will close and try not to cough on everyone by saying what makes Loudoun such an amazing place to call home is the variety of communities and landscapes contained within one single very large county. Not all places in this county are the same. Not all communities are identical. The fire station is not being constructed in Ashburn. It is to be added to a very different setting with different feel, character, and requirements, and the proposal should reflect this. Just as park plans are not one size fits all for a county as large and diverse as Loudoun, neither should be the rest of our public facilities. Rather, each must be crafted to fit the unique location and varied communities they serve. Thank you. Of course. All right, Mr. Bishop, Alex Carr, and Cindy Reinick. Good evening. My name is Drew Bishop. I'm a 10-year resident of Philemont, and my wife and I operate the Philemont General Store. 
Uh, I've come to know nearly all of the parties deeply invested in the discussion regarding the uh, proposed Philmont Firehouse. I deeply regret that we find ourselves divided in the way that we are as a community um, on this issue. I believe we can do better uh, moving forward. The disagreement regarding the future use of these two properties, the existing firehouse property and the seven acre parcel, uh, is not a matter the county can resolve. It's a community issue. However, the county must decide if it will sponsor the current disagreement or require the community to find a compromise prior to moving forward. I offer an analogy to help frame this issue for the Planning Commission. Uh, Commissioner Miller, as a realtor, I expect you will understand this pers perspective. Imagine a past generation leaves a property to a single legal heir. However, this heir has a sibling. These siblings are close, they respect one another, they agree on most matters, except they disagree on the future disposition of this property and whether their ancestors intended them to work together to determine its future. Like the siblings in this analogy, both sides of this issue respect and rely upon each other and want what is best for our community and for our neighbors, but we disagree about the future of these properties. Though the county may legally proceed with the acquisition of this property, I believe it's most appropriate and perhaps more importantly, most ethical for this body to compel the community to work together to settle their differences first. To do otherwise, this body risks sponsoring division in the community relative to this issue. To close, I would like to end by respectfully requesting the Philmont Volunteer Fire Department reopen membership so residents of the surrounding area will have the opportunity to serve their neighbors and be part of the decisions which affect their community and its resources. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Alex Carr, and I'm cool with everything Drew said. I like Drew a lot, and I think he is very even-handed about how he looks at things. I just wanted to share um, the way I see this. Um, I am a member of Philemont. My husband and I have lived here for 26 years, and I'm not a member of the fire department, but I walk the roads of Philemont. Most people know me as the crazy lady that walks for miles and miles every day. And I love Philemont, and I love the gravel roads, and I love my neighbors, and I'm really happy to call many of them my friends. Um, there's a lot of things that you can debate on this, so I want to simplify it to three basic things that I looked at. And one was health and safety of both the community and the firefighters. The other is cost, because I am fiscally responsive to, you know, what we spend of our taxpayer dollars, so I don't want to spend money that doesn't need to be spent. And the last part of it is preserving not just the historic buildings, but the, the charm and the feel of the town of Philemont, because I really do love it here. I think that if we could meet the criteria um, with a renovation and build out 
for health and safety, I would be agreeable to it, but it does look <coughs> like that may not be possible. Um, if there's something that comes to light that changes that, you know, I'm all ears, but it doesn't look like that would be possible regarding the reserve septic field. Cost doesn't look like there's gonna be a real big difference um, because the renovation is also gonna cost quite a bit. So I consider that a wash. Though one may come out a little ahead of the other, I don't think that's gonna make a big difference. So for me, it comes down to the feel and the charm of Philemon itself. And what sways me, and I know my time's about up so I won't take long, is that the renovation isn't just a renovation, it is actually a significant build out and addition to the existing historic station. And I saw the footprint which was done to scale, though the actual construction might be slightly different from what was visualized there. And it is a significant add-on to the existing building. And that more than anything swayed me because it totally changes the look and the character of that historic building because what is added on is a contemporary structure and it has to meet the needs of a contemporary fire department. And that really changes the nature of the historic center of Philemont in a way that worries me that it will never look the same. And that's why I've ended up siding with the new fire station. I think it can meet all the needs and not disrupt the center of Philemont. So thank you for your time. Thank you. Hi, my name is Cindy Reinick. I live at 19929 Telegraph Springs Road, just about a mile from the existing Philemont Firehouse. You have already heard my husband Peter, who also spoke as a concerned Philemont resident. I want to add my concerns to his support for a new firehouse. We built our home here uh, 30 years ago, as of this coming spring. Um, I've walked these roads with my dogs almost every day for the past 30 years. Um, I pick up my mail at the post office there. I patronize the general store. I know most of these people in the audience and I consider all of them my friends and my neighbors. Um, we run a business here on our property for the last 15 of those 30 years and we welcome visitors ranging from local people to out-of-state visitors and on occasion have needed and been reassured that there is a fire department nearby for the safety of us and our farm guests. Beyond that, our son, who is now 32, grew up here. He attended the Philemont Preschool, went to K-Club, and played on the playground and basketball court, which I, along with the community center director at the time, Beth Rogers, spearheaded uh, the construction of 27 years ago. At that time, we faced kind of the same article, uh, arguments, although it is a much smaller project. We were asked, why on earth would we want to change the character of, of the Philemont Community Center? Um, I think today the PCC has been provided with at least a third, if not a fourth generation of new playground equipment behind the center, and nobody seems to be complaining about that. However, we still have the same old cramped building with the same risky limited parking place to the side of the existing firehouse, and, that, and will that parking place even exist if this renovation occurs? Our son joined department number eight as a junior volunteer in high school and did a little with the volunteers at the time. I think he was one of the very last juniors to join. That was about 15 years ago, maybe a little more. 
He went off to college, came back, and with the help of Department Number 8, became a Loudoun County EMT, which eventually led him into the medical field. And I think that's just as honorable as the military. So when I hear, heard of the last meeting that it takes a village to raise a child, I totally agree with that. But in order to do that, we need to also provide our children, along with the adults and the elders of this community, with the best possible services that we can provide. I will also live through the community debate concerning where and how a big cell phone tower needed to be placed for the, nece the necessary safety and well-being of everyone in the Philemont community. That happened about 20 years ago. The fire company fought hard to keep a tower off the property in question, and we all settled on a very tall flagpole behind Department Number 8. Today, it's still not a great solution for Philemont if you're looking for decent internet and access and cell phone service. I've attended three public meetings concerning the proposed firehouse, and while I respect the arguments of keeping the existing firehouse, I still support the building of a new firehouse whose appearance will rival the best of the stables we visit during the Upperville stable tours. Ms. Reinick. You're, you're well One up. more sentence. We need to keep, we keep selling our children short in this con, uh, community. That existing firehouse can be expanded and we will have a much better Philemont Community Center for everyone. Thank you. Thank you. That gets through all of our folks who are signed up in advance. Is there anyone else present in the room who would like to speak on this item? Please come up to the podiums, uh, share your name. After you speak, please do stop over to my left and fill out a speaker's slip for the record. Hi, my name is Erin Gable. I'm appearing before you today as a resident of Philmont and adjacent property owner. Um, I am. I'm, I want to uh, ask you to deny the request for a special exception for a sprawling new fire station on the historic Philemont Horse Show grounds. I also want to clarify that um, no one is asking our firefighters to remain in the current station as is. We want to renovate and give them the best facilities possible. We are just asking for the fire station to remain where it is. Additionally, Loudoun County Fire itself has admitted that there is no real difference in terms of response times between the two locations. It is clear that an 18,800 square foot fire station in the middle of residential homes does not meet the criteria of the 2019 comprehensive plan. Where my children were once able to watch the Philmont horse show from their bedroom windows, they will now have a year-round view of a parking lot if this facility is built as planned. I would ask you to listen to the Heritage Commission, which has recommended adaptive reuse of the existing Philmont firehouse. Once these resources are destroyed, they are gone forever. Building a new firehouse on our historic horse show grounds would forever ruin the cultural and historic resources of our village. The Philmont Horse Show Grounds was the site of one of the oldest horse shows in the country, remaining in operation from the 1950s until 2019. As such, it should be considered a significant cultural and historic resource that deserves protection from this type of development. <clears throat> Finally, I would like to note 
that while this proposal um, was first brought up in 2013, the first opportunity for public input came on September 30th, 2020, a mere month before the vote on the bond proposal in the midst of a global pandemic. Over and over, we have tried to speak, but we are limited to two minutes, and it's a one-way conversation that is not addressing the central issue here, which is we, the residents of Philmont, do not want this building on our horse show grounds. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we have some signed up for uh, online speaking. Uh, if we're ready, uh, I have Martha Polkey. Can you hear? <clears throat> yes, we can. can. you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Okay. Good evening, commissioners. My name is Martha Polkey, and I have lived and farmed in the Luckett's area for 31 years. Please reject the permit and application, uh, exception applications for the Philmont Firehouse and recommend renovation of the current firehouse and returning the horse show grounds to the community. Last Saturday, I attended the new Luckett's Firehouse open house. Facilities are certainly at top of the line for a, a mere six-person shift. Uh, since the purpose was to, of the visit was to compare the two villages, that is what I'll do here, and you'll see a pattern. One thing the two service districts have in common is that they receive fewer than one call a day, with two-thirds of those being medical versus fire calls. As in Philmont, and despite a new firehouse, at least one resident burned to the ground in Luckett's because the large fire trucks could not reach it. A third thing they have in common is that both sites took away community basins facilities. The new Luckett's firehouse was built on land that had been used for parking for the Luckett's Fair for decades. Also on the Luckett's site is a ball field that had been used for even longer. Now it is overgrown with trees and brush. The county also demolished an attractive old farmhouse on the back of the property, far from the construction footprint, whose former owners paid about 5000 a year in property taxes. Fourth, public wishes were not openly considered in either plan. When the county announced Luckett's Firehouse construction, local asked for a meeting at the Luckett's Community Center. Supervisor Higgins declined. We were instead invited to come to the fifth floor of the government center on a weekday evening after hours. Upon arrival, we discovered that only staff can use elevators after the close of the business day. We finally talked our way up. Our suggestions were ignored. After the firehouse was built, the county first announced that it planned to cut off sewer service to the volunteer firehouse, and then that it planned to convert the building, which it does not own, into a recycling facility. This disregard of citizens and rural communities has become standard practice, sowing deep discord among and between citizens and government. County, st county staffs claim that this plan doesn't violate the comp plan, despite plain language showing that it does certainly inspires cynicism. Commissioner Miller stated recently that the comp plan is merely a guide. We rely upon the rest of you to do better for the citizens of Loudoun. Thank you. Thank you. That was the only person I had registered in advance to speak online. Is there anyone else there? Yes, I have Paul Roxenberg here ready to speak. Okay. Go ahead, Mr. Roxenberg, please proceed. My name is Paul Roxenberg. I'm a retired fire officer with the Metropolitan Washington Airport Authority. I worked for Fairfax County Fire and Rescue for six years. I served as one of the first paid part-time fire and rescue employees in Loudoun County. I served as the president of the Big Pine Key Volunteer Fire Department in Florida, was a member of the 
Personville Volunteer Rescue Squad, the Personville Volunteer Fire Department, and served as the Assistant Chief of the Round Hill Volunteer Fire Department. I started my fire service career at the Philemont Volunteer Fire Department in 1977, where I was the first emergency medical technician in the department and was ultimately granted life membership for my years in service to the community. Needless to say, I've had the opportunity to work and live in numerous fire stations over the past 46 years. Some stations are well suited to support the needs of full-time staff and others have fallen far short of the requirements necessary for the crew stationed at those facilities. The new fire and rescue station proposed to be built at the Philemont Fire Department's horse show grounds will meet the needs of the modern fire department and be an asset to the Philemont community for years to come. The design addresses space, efficiency, flow, safety, environmental, and living concerns. The plan to remodel the existing fire station for the fourth time in an attempt to facilitate the current and future needs of the full-time staff living on the premise and provide a safe, efficient area of the fire station will fall far short of the necessary requirements going into the future. The infrastructure alone is already an enormous liability and safety risk to the community. Some of the issues that need to be addressed are as follows. The cell phone would need to be, relo be relocated. This action would interrupt communications in a large area of the county. There's an extreme grade issue requiring retaining walls, structural backfill, and potentially sunken piers to secure the site. There is a massive buried water tank, approximately 30,000 gallons, on the site of the new building, and that would need to be removed and taken care of. There are past barbecue pits throughout the back area of the fire station that were used for years that would need structural backfill. The rear road entrance is on a steep grade that puts members and apparatus at risk due to line of sight and weather issues. The front access route it is shared with the community center where public parking and citizens need to be accounted for as the trucks respond. The shared parking community center is now a risk to children at that facility. There's a lack of outside maintenance and testing for apparatus and equipment. The septic system that serves the fire station is at risk of being damaged due to construction. It was not designed for the level of staffing and the possibility exists that there would not be sufficient land space for a system that would meet today's standards. The new station location is an area owned by the volunteer organization that, to my recollection, had been planned at new location for a fire station from the earliest days in my association with the department. The property is owned by and for the benefit of the Philmont Volunteer Fire Department. Once complete, the plan for the old station is for it to become an asset to the Philmont area is a community space for events and gatherings. Changing the old station location from an emergency service building to a community location will assure the risks associated with such use next to the facility where children gather will be greatly reduced. I thank you for your time. Thank you, and we hope you feel better soon. All right, do we have anyone else joining us online? We do not, Madam Chair. Okay, last call for anyone in the room who would like to speak on this agenda item. All right, seeing none, the uh, public hearing for this evening, uh, this item and the evening is uh, closed now. Yeah, I am um, given that we're, I don't see the next item being a short one. Uh, we are going to take a, we'll call it a seven and a half minute break. We'll reconvene here at 7.55. Um, and we will return shortly. Thank you.
All right, everybody's had a chance to stretch their legs, chat with their neighbor. We're going to go ahead and uh, resume our our evening here. Um, we are going to move on to the returning items proposed for action tonight. Uh, I will again remind everybody in the room, uh, particularly our applicants and their representatives, that uh, this is a work session, and we will ask that you wait to be called to the table. Uh, before you approach if you are needed for answering some questions and providing information. Otherwise, you can uh, relax in your, your bench seats back there. All right, first up, ZOAM 2020-0002, Prime Agricultural Soils and Cluster Subdivision. We are ready when you are, Jacob. All right, good evening, members of the Planning Commission. My name is Jacob Hambrick. I am the project manager for the Prime Agricultural Soils and Cluster Subdivision ZOAM. <clears throat> this ZOAM was last before the Planning Commission on September the 14th, 2023, for a work session. The Commission did not take any action on the ZOAM and forwarded it to a future work, work session due to the Commission. Needing additional information regarding the proposed ZOAM text language and to further process the Kimley Horn analysis. So at the September 14, 2023 Planning Commission work session, the Commission requested further information pertaining to the key topics that were presented to the Commission. Information regarding these requests were provided within the staff memo to the Commission dated December the 7th, 2023. In short, there are five identified requests for further information. These specific requests are as follows. Current proposed rural uses within the cluster lot types, explanation of the savings clause and implementation of those savings clauses, proposed design features of the cluster subdivision, further verification of the Kimley Horn analysis, rural use discussion as part of, and rural use discussion as part of the future ZOAM. And if the commission has any questions regarding the information provided in the staff memo about the above request, staff will be happy to answer questions following um, this presentation. So as the last planning commission work session, public comment was given and discussion was had regarding additional analysis of the Kimley Horn, of the Kimley Horn report. To date, no additional analysis of the Kimley Horn report has been performed. Nevertheless, staff has discussed this internally and have also discussed the possibility of additional analysis with Kimley Horn representatives. Furthermore, during the October of 2023, staff provided opportunities for individual commissioners to meet with zoning administration staff to follow up on any outstanding cons concerns or questions regarding the draft ZOAM text and or the Kimley Horn analysis. During these briefings, the sentiment was that the information provided by the Kimley Horn analysis was sufficient to make a recommendation to the board. However, there is the opportunity for the commission to in include a recommendation that the board consider conducting a more detailed engineering analysis. So given the reasons, uh, given the revision and the update of the ZOAM draft text thus far, uh, there are still several points that are outstanding in which the board appointed work group could not reach a consensus or, or compromise on, and therefore further discussion with the commission is warranted. These include the amount of prime farmland soils present on the originating tract to require a preservation farm lot, 
Second, the percentage of prime farmland soils to be preserved within a cluster subdivision, within a preservation farm lot. And then lastly, use is permitted on the proposed lot types of the cluster subdivision option. So this concludes staff's brief presentation and we are happy to answer any questions the commission may have regarding this OAM or the information pre presented in the, uh, in the staff memo. And I would like to note uh, that Paul Vernon with Kimley Horn, who was the project engineer or project manager for the consultant, for the consultant analysis, is with us in person today or this evening and is available to answer questions uh, if the commission has any regarding the analysis. Thank you, Jacob, for that You're refresher. Welcome. We've we've been working on this one a while. We have. We have. <laughs> All right. Um, I, we are ready for any commission questions. I I'm going to try to be generous and not hold everybody to a very firm three minutes only speaking once, unless because I know this is a very technical and complicated issue. But given that it is our fifth meeting, I, I am going to, if we get too excessive, I will rein everybody in a bit. So just let's try to be mindful um, and, and I will try to be forgiving. So Commissioner Vance. Uh, yeah, uh, Jacob. <clears throat> Has there been any additional information uh, that's come forward um, that would fundamentally alter the, the Kimley Horn uh, analysis uh, that that was shared with us before uh, Commissioner Vance there has not been any any substantial additional information uh, for the Kimley Horn analysis that was done okay all right very good thank you okay <laughs> are you ready Commissioner Miller well, I didn't understand Jacob's answer I think the question was has any other information come forward that would call into question Kinley Horn's study? Is that what the question was? But the answer was no further analysis has been done. Correct. I, I, to date, there has been no further analysis done but, by Kimley Horn. But has there been new information? No new, new information, correct. No new information has come forward. Correct. That would, okay. That is correct. Okay. Mr. Miller. Follow-up question to that. Where were we, if information did come forward, where would we have expected to come from? In other words, were we expecting Kimley Horn to have continued to do more research? Because as they told us last time, their, their report was incomplete as it was based on the information they had available, so they didn't go get more information to update their report. And or were there other stakeholders that heard the report had wanted to provide information, those stakeholders never provided staff information, never provided, can we, I guess my, my point is, were there, were there people out there that may have wanted to provide information that didn't or couldn't? There may have been. Um, I'm not, I was not aware of further information. Um, okay. uh, staff did not receive further information. Uh, but Kimley Horn did not go out and seek further information by virtue of um, being parcel by parcel basis, being on site, doing engineering, seeing that stuff. They did not That's, do that. That is That's correct. correct. And the we report. didn't receive any additional information from any stakeholders you know, that provided us additional information either. Okay. I mean, I would just say that you know, one, of the, one of the discussions at the, at the last work session was, could the consultant do additional detailed analysis? 
So that is something that staff did go back with and talked internally about that. We also talked to the consultant about that as to what would that get us. I think given the fact that each site is unique, the concern was that if you did a detailed analysis, you probably couldn't pick but maybe one, one site or two at the most and that you know, with each site being different, the results of that analysis on one parcel wouldn't really be able to tell you that much regarding all the other parcels that could be impacted by the ZOAM. So we felt like the analysis done by the consultant along with the recommendations that they provided and the uh, draft text that was revised, we felt, you know, that that was, that was adequate and that's kind of what we heard from our commission briefings as well. So that, that, that's an interesting answer because it kind of goes to some of my thoughts on this is that as you said, evaluating an individual parcel or two, because every parcel is different, the result will be different for everybody. So I would lead to this question, I don't know if it's a staff question or a general question, would that indicate that a broad approach to um, clustering to apply across the board may not be appropriate given that every parcel is different? I would just, I would add to that, that I think, you know, in looking at that, at that, the uniqueness of each parcel, it is hard to know exactly what the impacts are going to be on each parcel. So that's one of the, the reasons that the savings clauses were, were thought of and, and included as a possibility for the draft text, because the, you know, we did, in addition to the savings clauses, of course, throughout the process of the amendment, we looked at the design standards and the setbacks and we tried to change the ordinance to make sure there's enough flexibility in there because our goal was to balance the preservation of the farm soils with not impacting to a negative degree the development potential. Understanding that that may still not you know, be the case in all cases, depends on each parcel. Okay. But we did feel like that with the savings clauses that would allow us to look at individual unique cases that are maybe more difficult than others, where you have a lot of regulatory constraints in addition to the prime farmland soils on a property, that would allow some flexibility in being able to reduce that percentage on a case-by-case -case basis. So that that was trying to get at, you know, you can't write an ordinance that's going to work for every parcel right. exactly. So right. that was the intent behind the savings clauses to try to allow some case-by-case uh, -case flexibility. Madam Chair, may I, may I continue? Go ahead. Um, along the savings clause issue, a couple people had mentioned, and, and it was thought-provoking, I never really thought about it, um, the need for it to potentially be a legislative um, exercise to, ex right. to use the savings clause. Um, and I did think about that, and right. that doesn't seem out of line. Should this go forward, that, because right. I, well, I get a lot of grief for what we do for a living here. Um, I do recognize that some in that industry like to go straight to what's the easiest, and how do I, how we otherwise contradict them or question them. Um, how would how would such a a legislative review of a savings clause if someone elected the savings clause how could could we and if we could how could we mm -hmm. um, incorporate that into um, the ordinance i think it could be done that way i don't think staff would be opposed to that necessarily i mean i think the savings clause the left the language would need to be adjusted to make it a process that would require either through a minor special exception application, which, as you know, doesn't go to the commission directly, it goes to the board, which is less time and a little bit cheaper. But then at least it, at least that gets uh, a legislative review that can impose other conditions. So if you someone have looks at it, comment. so we actually know that they're telling the truth, and yeah. we find they're not 
telling the truth, then we can say, no, you're denied, and go back and do it the way it's... Correct. Okay. One final question for now. Um, to be clear, this is for, this or the purpose of this ordinance is for clustering. It is not for what a, what a landowner can do by right regarding housing. So if a landowner wanted to go just by right, they didn't want to cluster, mm -hmm. what type of, um, what do they need to do, if anything, regarding the prime ag soils that exist on that property, if they want to go by right? So if, if they were to go by right um, and they were to do the, the by right subdivision, the base density subdivision, or do the uh, principal subordinate, principal subdivision, subdivision. Uh, subdivision uh, regarding the prime soils on that on that tract, uh, there would not be any and no restrictions right. at all. Correct. So the, it's, this zone would strictly be for the cluster subdivision option within the AR1 and AR2 zoning district. And the difference between by right or principal subordinate and clustering is the number of lots that number of homes that one could right. build on a parcel right. correct that's and it. i will say you know even the cluster subdivision is a by right option they're all by right correct um so it doesn't require any legislative they just but have if you, to meet the ordinance but if you go by right for the clustering you would then have to meet yes these requirements yes sir but if you go principal subordinate or um just or basically. base density you can there are other requirements but the there is right. a requirement for preservation of exactly okay thank you before we get too far from the um, savings clause discussion I think it would be helpful since there's really two on the table and I think the second one is one that we're I'll, I won't speak for everyone but I'm not sure we truly understand the technical uh, aspects of it I think it would be helpful if if you guys and maybe mr. Vernon could kind of walk us through what those two savings clauses are because I know that's kind of item three on the motion of things we can consider so I'd like to really make sure we understand that sure so I would invite Paul uh, Vernon with Kimley Horn uh, he can talk to the second uh, savings clause it, it, my understanding chair Frank that is where the confusion is, is I, that I suspect so I mean okay. I think comparing it to the first one because they are both they both work together and can stand alone correct, correct. so I I mean I can I'll take a, a stab at it okay um, my understanding of it but uh, the second savings clause was the one suggested by Kimley Horn through their analysis um, and Looking at the, the savings clause, it talks about if the originating tract, if the overall acreage of the origi originating tract that contains um, prime farmland soils, if those prime farmland soils are less than 15% of the originating tract, then this savings clause could be asked for, or could, they, they, they could go through, through that, that process there, okay? My understanding uh, of the savings clause is, as we all know, uh, the soils are not all in one place, okay? They, uh, oftentimes they were in different corners of, uh, of the originating tract, okay? Uh, and so with, the, with those soils being, you know, far apart, not together, uh, with the savings clause, it would relieve, um, those those prime soils from having to be contained within a large 
or multiple large preservation farm lots, which w could take up a lot, of the, a lot of the land to preserve a small amount of the prime farmland soils. Um, and when, when, if that's, you know, with the possibility of that happening, you know, that takes away areas for, for drain fields. Uh, as we all know that, you know, the, uh, in the western part of the county, we need the drain fields for, for those lots. And <clears throat> we have carried forward um, from the existing, uh, from, the, from the zoning ordinance that, you know, a certain percentage of drain fields for the residential cluster lots could be um, provided for on open space lots or common open space lots. And so <clears throat> with that, with that savings clause, I think that's kind of where, where Kindling Horn is coming in, into play with, with that 15% is to, um, is, is to take those, those areas uh, where, where they are sporadic, where they're in different corners of the originating tract uh, that, you know, and trying to preserve that, that small percentage of prime, prime farmland soils within a large preservation farm lot or multiple preservation farm lots. Um, so I, I believe that's where, where that, that comes into play. And so, uh, you know, Paul, if you would like to speak a little bit more on the thought process behind that. That goes green, okay. Um, so in taking a look at each of the sites that we looked at, six total, um, the way that the configuration of the farmland soils lays out on the sites are quite different and almost like spots on a cow, dare I say, um, or a zebra. Uh, you know, in certain cases, the, the, the lands, they're contiguous or they're almost like marbled in a cake or an ice cream. Um, but in one particular case, um, when we looked at the hillside project, it's more like spots on a Dalmatian. So there's a small bit here and a small bit there and a small bit there. But yet, uh, in the attempt to uh, look at the, the proposed layout or re-envisioned layout, the lot yield was such that it was the, the overall development was highly impacted. So it was an attempt to think about those large tracts where the Dalmatian spots are sort of a smaller amount of the overall percentage of the originating tract, such that it, a massive amount of the lot yield wouldn't, wouldn't be impacted. So it was just for those, for a unique case uh, where it's like the Dalmatian spots it's under the 15% um, so that then the 30% can, can be maintained and, and, and that solution can be um, resolved. It was, it was to think about that one unique case where a whole lot of lot yield gets reduced because of what appears to be a generally small amount of prime ag soils on the large originating tract. Okay, so every polka dot on the Dalmatian <laughs> is, is, you know, if you've got a prime ag soil, it's, you're trying to keep the, the entire parcel really from being eaten by, you have to have a big lot here, a big lot here, a big lot here, a big lot here, because you have scattered everywhere. All right, so you're going to kind of cap their loss at 15%. Is that? Well, in that particular case at Hillside, I think the, the, the prime ag soils were around 11 or 12%. Um, but still, uh, there was a significant uh, lot loss um, in in, in preserving the 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 
the 70 percent. Um, so that's that's why the additional savings clause was put in to think about those cases where we have sites just like this. And the others where the sites are more marbled or striated, that's a different that's a different evaluation. And in the places where they're large and contiguous, that's another that's another evaluation. And as was said earlier, each of the sites are going to be completely different um, on, a, on a case by case basis. So this kind of gives us three sort of generalized kinds of sites, but still each one is going to be unique in every case. Okay. And the way we, what we have in front of us currently proposes both, no, it doesn't, doesn't have either of those clauses in it. S correct. But the language we have for the clauses has them both as administratively, that is not correct. a legislative Careful. application. Okay. Go, but yeah, we'll go ahead and ask related. Do we know uh, if the requirement for or special exception uses perhaps on the property or the special exception process we're talking about right now, if that affects the valuation of the property for appraisals for the conservation easement? I mean, I think there's the, the possibility uh, to where time may be a factor, um, the, you know, a cost. Um, for the special exception or for the legislative application process. Uh, I think that would be a factor uh, in, in that evaluation. Um, would an appraiser assume a special exception use is a use that could go on that property prior to approval of the special exception? I don't think so. I don't, I, I don't know if they can assume. <coughs> I just think in terms of doing, you know, what we've heard is it's not just the lot um, the lots, the number of lots, it's the cost of developing those lots. So if there is an added layer of cost in terms of a special exception application, I'm sure that would be figured into if they were trying to max out their lots. Again, this is optional for the developer. They don't have to try to do the savings clause if they, if they can make mm -hmm. it work without that. And there's going to be a lot of lots where they're not going to have to do it. It's just not going to impact that property. So it's a decision they would make, I think. I'm desperately missing Vice Chair Combs and, and his experience yeah. in this, although he recused himself from this item anyway, so he wouldn't be sitting next to me, but I know he could answer this question accurately. Um, but I have been told, because I asked that question of someone who's been through this process a number of times, and they told me that an appraiser cannot consider something that has not yet been approved when they're determining the value for the for the Correct. purpose of the conservation Correct. easement. So if there was a specs process, whether it's administrative or legislative, I mean that's great if you're developing the land, you can go through it, you're going to you're going to build those costs in, but if we're trying to get somebody to put a 40-acre parcel into conservation easement, I think either way, administrative or legislative, we may have created a bit of a speed bump there. I like the clauses, but I, I see, you know, depends on what we're trying to accomplish. Um, are we still, Commissioner Kirshner, is it related? No. No? Anybody else on this sort of thing? Mr. Vance. Yeah, what, if, if it were to go, if we were to accept these clauses as a legislative action, uh, I mean, could that, could that be done by just, uh, Putting it into the putting it into a motion, you could. I would think you could recommend to the, move it forward with a recommendation that the clauses be uh, the text be amended to include this as a legislative special exception or minor special exception application. All right. 
So I think Thank that you. could be included in your motion. I think it's still on that, Mr. Miller. Yeah. Go ahead. If one wanted to exercise a savings clause, and if it were either administrative or whatever it was, how would one demonstrate that their property is either a Dalmatian or a zebra or a Holston Ow. cow? <laughs> How, what, I guess that not, not only does that go to savings clause, that just goes in general. How do, how would one, how would, who gets, who, how do we verify what, where, where and how much prime ag soil is on a parcel? So we, I believe we would look for on that plan or um, plat that, that, that they would submit that the soils would be based on the, the soils maps that the county has. Uh, and so that's where we would make that, you know, we would look for to, to those maps to to indicate where those prime soils are, uh, and the and the amount and, uh, within that originating. Track. And what what if one were to contest that those maps? In other words, from what from what some so, I mean, there there, there <clears throat> are there are there are national maps mm -hmm. that might differ from our local sure. maps. I would trust our local maps mm -hmm. better than I would a national map, but as one of the speakers said earlier, you know, soils can change. Right. And much like we sat through recognizing that um, airport impact overlay mm -hmm. lines can change, as can soils change. And while the lines may have changed, the, it was still noisy. It didn't reduce or add noise. And while the soils may have changed, how do we? How so do we I mean, there there is a, a there is a process in place currently that uh, you know they could um, look f towards a or for a. Um, a, pre a preliminary soils report that could either be done by the county or by a third party uh, if they wanted to contest the the maps uh, that the county has. Um, so that's yeah. that, uh, certainly a, uh, an option that the you know, a landowner could 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 go for if they contested those right. maps that the county has. Okay. Yeah. Originally, we had the we had the requirement that to do a cluster, you had to do a, a preliminary soils okay. report uh, to verify the soils, but through again consultation with the work group and we compromised to not make that a requirement but that it is something available if somebody wanted to challenge our maps if they thought our maps were wrong they could submit that information um, to show where the you know where the soils are based on that report so okay. it's optional thank you related to that go ahead Mr. so going back to will you add a process of a preliminary layout over top of a soils map and have them bring that in for you to determine is that a new process for you or is that something part you can incorporate into existing program that would be a new process if they wanted to do it and again the whole idea behind the the one original the savings clause was that right now the way the ordinance is written and the way it's proposed you're allowed to keep 30 percent of the lot for residential lots 70 percent is either in prime soils rural economy lot open space so the thought behind the savings clause is if it can be demonstrated because we're adding a layer of regulation with the soils, there might be also very steep slopes, mountainside, floodplain on these properties that taken all together, they could show that and demonstrate based on all of this, we don't have 30% of our site to put our lots. 
So that's in a situation where they'd have to demonstrate that it would be evaluated to make sure the information they submitted was accurate. Um, but they would have to do some kind of a sketch to document that and demonstrate uh, what kind of relief they would need in order to retain their 30% for residential development. Are you reviewing conservation easement proposals now in terms of the preliminary layouts or design they're sending off to their appraisers? I don't think we, we review those. I mean, clearly, I think there are some folks that do more engineered plans depending on the value they want to obtain. Um, so those are submitted. I don't believe the county rev reviews that. I could be wrong. Okay. Uh, do you know Jacob or Jason by any chance <laughs> if the county reviews those? I don't think we review the third-party open space easements. If it's a county-held easement, we'd review it, but the best of my knowledge, those are pretty rare these days. Thank you. Okay. Commissioner Hersher. Thank you. Actually, I have two questions, but I have one quick follow-up on this. If I can. Go ahead. So you're talking about the soils changing. Um, I mean, my understanding is that the soils are not, it's not like they're changing every couple months, every couple years. I mean, when we talk about soils, it's like, over a very long, long period of time. So why are we even talking about soils changing? I don't know if we're, we're talking about their changing. I think it's just the, the, le the level of detail that they were mapped. So, okay, so you know, based yeah. on the soils maps, it wasn't done on a site-by-site -site, uh, survey. It was basically done on broader data. Okay. So the thought behind the allowing somebody to challenge the maps through the soils report would allow them to do a more detailed on-site Okay, so I just want to make sure everybody's clear. This is not like the soils, you know, in six months from now you have clay or right. limestone. Uh, limestone. No. Anyway, so. But it, okay. could, but it could have been 20 years ago. Well, not even 20, but anyway, yeah. it, you might have to have an expert come and talk about it a little more because it's, it's way beyond yeah. those kinds of small time frames. But anyway, so my t two questions that I have um, is, you know, we got a, a comment um, about um, the biodiversity of, of these soils, aids and um, collection and capture of carbon, uh, it better retains carbon, um, and also aids in the retention of um, H2O in terms of protecting our groundwater. Is that, if you guys reviewed that, is that something that staff would agree with or our experts would agree with that? I couldn't speak to that. Um, unfortunately, we don't have our soils okay. expert here with us tonight, um, but that is something that, I mean, could be followed up on. Okay. I, I could not answer that for you. Okay, I agree with it based upon my knowledge. I'm glad that was brought up. I hope that that's something that is added into as this goes forward. And then I also wanted to ask you, um, we heard from some of the participants um, in the ZOAM work group that there were um, a, lot of, um, a lot of negotiation and concessions gone between the, different, the two different groups. And uh, is it, um, would you agree that um, the number of houses required in a cluster, it started out, you know, from 25, and it started out that high, and then it did come down, and that, you know, setbacks requirements were reduced, um, being uh, allowing drain fields to be placed on common open space, um, and allowing cluster lots to be non-contiguous, so that there were, you know, those kinds of concessions. There were. Um, with the with the work group that was appointed by the board, uh, you know there were, I believe, four or five meetings that that we had, um, and the two sides, you know, there were a lot of discussion, um, and there were were some compromises, and 
the discussion of you know, the the number of lots in the in the cluster or in a grouping mm -hmm. was a discussion that was had and that was something that you know was agreed upon mm -hmm. by the group okay so okay great thank mm -hmm. you Sorry to make you cough, Chair. No, it's I, I can't drink water, apparently. Mm. Okay, any other questions from the commissioner? Mr. Marathew. just want to ask about the uses, and I assume the, the uh, underlying uses on the tables are the coming out of the negotiations with, between the parties? Because there, there are a couple of uses, egg processing, distribution hub, uh, equestrian event facility that really, to me, don't have any relationship to saving prime soils for farming. Mm -hmm. But were they added as a concession to the conservation people as a value-added use? So I will say, Commissioner Merrithew, uh, with that work group, uh, uses were a big discussion. Unfortunately, uh, with the work group, we were not able to get through many of the uses. Um, most of the focus was on those ag-related uses uh, for those uses directly related to on-site ag and those mm -hmm. uses that, are, that were not directly associated with, um, with on-site ag. And so really the, you know, the, the discussion really ended with just those uses within those categories being discussed. Um, and from there on, you know, it was just, it really wasn't much discussion on other uses well, these are in the ag category, are they not? Yeah. Distribution hub and, right? Or ag-related, maybe. I forget what the, the heading is. And I was just curious. Yeah. yeah, I think all the uses that were in, in your draft text were the ones that were agreed to by the work group and okay. staff. All right. um, but there was, you know, there was, and I think it's in your one of your draft motions, there was... The conservation easement group to retain value of after the conservation easement was granted, they wanted all the uses that are, were in the current ordinance to just carry over to all the lots in the cluster. Um, so staff didn't support that, for, especially for the farmland soils, lots. There was talk about a compromise of adding back into the rural economy lots, all the uses that were in there now, and let the board, when it's because the board is going to do a rural zoning ordinance amendment for rural uses mm -hmm. next year. So the thought was, you know, you could add all those back to the rural economy lot and then let the board look at it again with their ZOAM. So that's an option. And okay. Commissioner Merthew, just to add, I mean, those, those uses that were discussed <clears throat> and that were discussed among those with I'm the sorry, work Jacob, I can't hear you. Those uses that were discussed among the work group, um, those, those are contained within attachment three uh, as found in the, in the staff memo. All right. Okay. Okay, I've, I've got one here that we haven't kind of addressed here. Um, you have a chart on page 12 of the staff report, a table, and we've talked about this table I know a few times. Um, <clears throat> when you look at this, uh, and we're going to go back to our polka dotted Dalmatian here, um, you can tell we just, we grab onto things sometimes, they're not going to let that go now. Uh, when we did this, of the um, contiguous versus non-contiguous, because we really go from non to a bunch of scenarios where it is contiguous um, acreage. When we do that, in your in these numbers, what what happens if you say five acres contiguous? So you've got a five acre contiguous spot, 
somewhere on the parcel that triggers this requirement. You then have a whole bunch of polka dots all over the place, you know, just scattershot everywhere. So we're counting in the five acre contiguous and the preservation acres and all that other stuff. We are counting all those little polka dots. Okay, but that's where the savings clause could come in and maybe. Correct, so, so the five acre contiguous would, there would have to be a minimum five acres contiguous. Mm -hmm. So if there, if but it's there, not just everything that's at least five acres contiguous correct, on that right. parcel that counts. Be at least it's one. everything yes, on that that right. counts. Okay. Yes. It's okay. If there's a, if you have a hundred acres, just <laughs> for math's sake, and there's fifty acres of prime ag soils on a property, but there are ten in a contiguous parcel here, and the remaining forty are all less than five acres. And it's 50, 60, let's say it's 50%. Do you have to, are you now protecting two and a half of the, or five of the 10 acres? Or are you protecting 25 of the 50, even though only 10 are contiguous? So if I'm understanding you correct, Commissioner Miller, if, you know, if you had that 10 acre contiguous, okay, and you had other areas of, prime soil that were less than, let's say the five Less than acres, five, less than the bit, Less than right. five. All of those, all of those uh, prime soils would need to be preserved up to 70%. Of all of them. Of yes. all of them. Of all right. 50. Not just of the contiguous that okay. are over, that are five yeah. acres or more. This, okay. you know, the, just to say the, the trigger that triggers you require 70%. Yeah. Is, is having five contiguous. Yes. Or non-contiguous. So right if you now. have, if you have a hundred acre parcel and you have four, if you have 10 four acre non-contiguous, 10 four acre chunks, none of them touching each other, you don't have to abide by the 70% or any, any protection rule. That would be correct. Well, now, right now, the way the draft is, is five acres of non-contiguous. So right, now it says non-contiguous, right. Right, right. So that means you have five true. spots of it somewhere. Yes. It counts, right. Yes. So what, what I think Chair Frank is suggesting is that if we went to a contiguous, yeah. contiguous minimum, that that might start getting us somewhere. But then, if we if we said that in order to qualify, you had five acre minimum contiguous, then the question would become, what do you do of all the other non-contiguous that, of all the other spots that are less than five acres contiguous, and yeah. then they're counted towards your total. Your set? Right, but how do? But, that's what that's what it is right. now. But is that a discussion point for us to say right. if we're willing to have a trigger, mm -hmm. how much of the non-contiguous are we willing to add into that total? Well, that right, becomes a discussion point. Right now, it would be treated the same as the contiguous as far as the percent that needs to be. Correct. Whether we want to keep that that way or not is another thing. Or you can look at clause number two kind of addresses that. If you have a big chunk and a whole bunch of little spots, those little spots are making it prohibited, prohibiting you from getting to, you know, the, the development right. that That's you where should the be savings at. Clause you go to into savings clause application land, whatever process we would want to use, and... And then, so in, in practice, if you go to savings clause two, yeah. on that, this example of 100 acres, 50 of it is um, prime ag, but only one chunk of 10 acres is contiguous, we're now coming in and saying, I don't have to save 
the little spots or I have to keep 70% of the 10 acres. So, so with the second savings clause, the one that was um, introduced by Kimling Horn, okay, so if, if all of those prime farmland soils on that originating tract totaled less than 15% of the originating tract size, then they could, that, that's when the clause would, would come into play. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so, you know, if it doesn't, you know, if you have your, your contig contiguous 10 acre and then you have all these other smaller ones, if it was less than 15% of the originating track, then that clause would be implemented or would the not be applicant could, could implement that. Okay. So I, my, so I'm not talking about less prime ag. I'm talking about if there's more, how do we account for the, um, the smaller pieces that are, are, and the reason I'm asking that question is because if you have an acre here and an acre there, and there's, you know, uh, the wetlands in between, they're not necessarily, even if there's, there's non-prime ag around it, it's not necessarily accessible farmland. And if you only have five or six acres or one or two acres, it becomes harder to actually make any profitable farming done on other than a gentleman farm for their home. So that's where I, I start to wonder the little itty bit pieces all around. Related question or something you said about originating track, if I don't mind. What do we count as originating track? Is it the amount of land that that person owns at the time they come in, or is it based on some historical larger so, so the originating land? track would be those that parcel or parcels that would be, that would be part of this cluster subdivision. Okay. Current. Okay. As currently so yeah, currently, yeah. So we're not looking back as this 50 acres was a chunk of the thousand acre farm. Okay. So we're just looking at the originating track is is what it's going to be subdivided. Be subdivided. So, so, so it could be option. if it's and if it's one parcel, it's just one parcel. But right. if it's four parcels, then the originating track becomes the size of those four parcels. That is correct. Okay. Okay, so that covers originating track, but that, now I'm back to, <laughs> I'm not back to, but I'm just making sure that, that what the trigger for the 15%, okay, 15% is a very low threshold, because then it's saying, if we have 100 acres, but there's only 15 acres scattered, that we don't, we can apply for a savings clause and not have to worry about it at all. That's interesting, because that, I, I can live. We still get our seventy percent of rural economy and open space, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, that that is correct. That's yeah. that's been carried forward from yeah. from the the current or from the from the zoning. I, I, I've heard no one in industry or no one that's opposed to the ZOAM say they're also opposed to that. They're, everyone's fine with that. It seems it's just yeah. Okay, Commissioner Kircher. Yeah. Following up on the Dalmatian spots, um, he, <laughs> so can you tell me where you saw that in the county? <coughs> Excuse me. It was when we evaluated a specific site. Hillside. Hillside. Yeah. So is that like common or is that just kind of like an oddball kind of? Uh, of the six sites evaluated, it, it was the oddball. Okay. And which is why it's stuck out to us. Okay. Um, doing the preservation had a significant impact on the development potential of the site. Right. So 
So I guess what I'm saying, yeah. Okay. So it being likely that there are probably other sites just like it, um, it was an attempt to create a greater level of flexibility and balance right. between preservation and development. Right. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just wondering if it's just kind of like an oddball thing, if, and if really what, what we're looking at most of the time is not something like that. But in, in the initial observation, there were only, I think, four sites uh, that, that were getting us in one direction, and then we added sites, and then, you know, the next one looked more different than the next. Okay. So if we evaluated 100 sites, we'd probably come up with a couple more zebras and Dalmatians and cows. Or maybe a black lab. Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps. You know, it's, it's, it's the all shapes and sizes rule okay. Okay. Uh, for sure. All right, thank you. Commissioner Monteretti. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, so, Jacob, a uh, question for you. Um, so I know these two saving clauses, um, Paul Steam uh, proposed. Do you guys have a kind of a, um, a a process or at least a blueprint that how you guys are going to evaluate um, these two criteria? So <clears throat> I think Mark touched a little bit upon this this process. Um, <clears throat> It would require the applicant to, if they're going to um, go with one of these savings clause, okay, uh, they would submit a non-engineered plan or plat uh, depicting more than one of the originating tract, uh, also those prime farmland soils that are on the originating tract, um, <clears throat> indicating the amount and the location of them, as well as the location of the proposed development area uh, to include um, other environmental overlays that are that would be impacting that originating tract um, and then also they would provide a, a narrative stating you know what they are looking for and a justification for this request to reduce the the percentage of the preservation of the of the prime farmland soils so once, once that was submitted, then you know, we as staff uh, would consult the appropriate county staff um, with what, they, what the applicant has, has submitted uh, to see if what they are proposing with the decrease in the preservation percentage, uh, whether that was warranted. Uh, and if we needed further information, then we would, or if, someone, if we needed further information from an outside source, you know, we would look to someone, you know, an expert, expertise for, uh, expert in, in that field and, and for, for further information. Uh, and then <clears throat> once that determination was made, uh, the, the applicant uh, would, would have that opportunity to, um, to appeal that if they did not agree with the, the staff's uh, um, interpretation or, or determination of, of their request. Uh, so that's kind of the outline that we have, uh, kind of the process that we have outlined in the staff memo. Uh, and as Mark alluded to, you know, that is something that would be a new process that we would have to implement. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. You gave us five, I'm going to call them a la carte things on the end of this motion that we can kind of plug and play in as, as the commission sees fit. The fifth one, reformat the proposed draft text to be consistent with the format approved with the ZOR last night to include the renaming and consolidation of uses. Is that more of a housekeeping item or is that really 
change something materially. I'm trying to figure that out. I, I mean, because of course we want it to be consistent and right, everything to play nice together. I, I think that's more of a housekeeping item because okay. some of the, many of the uses with the now ZOR, uh, uh, many of the uses have been consolidated into, you know, a, a broader uh, term. Okay. And so that's what we are looking to do. Um, so they just don't map what, they map to what was policy three days ago, not what's policy today. Okay. Correct. And so it would be cleaning, does it, do we know if it changes any uses or removes any, any So I've, I've been looking through that <laughs> since the, the adoption of the ordinance last night. Um, and I'm still trying to go through that to see, you know, if all these uses are, are remaining. Uh, as contained in the draft text, and I have not completed that. Um, but I don't, Mark, if you have any, I would just add, yeah, I don't, I don't really. There was no intent to delete any uses, right? Um, okay. it was just, but it is a matter of reorganizing or consolidating. Okay. Uh, that may happen, so we'll just need to make sure that the use names are consistent. Okay, all right. I, I want to make sure if we add that in there, we know what we're what we're doing. Okay. Um, any other questions or comments from the commission? Chair Frank? Yes. I was just going to add, um, I think some some examples of some uses that disappear with ZOR are going to be like the cross-country ski establishment. I think that might be one in the AR. Co-housing, those became obsolete and got folded into new uses. Also a change, I was going through this earlier today, I think there are HOA standards contained in the cluster ZOM because those are a component currently of the revised 1993 zoning ordinance. In ZOR, those get lifted out and put all into the development standards in Chapter 7. So that's going to be another, I guess some parts of this ZOM are going to get kind of sliced and diced up and put into the proper new chapters in um, the new zoning ordinance. Yeah, so moving forward, when this, if you do re recommend it to the board, for the board's public hearing, we will have all of this done so that it's advertised with the cleanup, the consolidation and everything. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I don't fault you for not having that done in under 20 hours. Okay. Um, Prince William worked through tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky them. I mean. <laughs> Any other questions or comments? All right. Last call. We are currently still in Blue Ridge and Catoctin for this. Do I have a motion from Madam either? Chair, I have a motion. Yes. Mr. Vance. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> I move that the Planning Commission forward ZOAM 2020-0002, Prime Agricultural Soils and Cluster Subdivision, provide as, a, as attachment one to the December 14, 2023 Planning Commission Work Session Memorandum to the Board of Supervisors with a recommendation of approval with the following recommended changes. Add the two saving, savings clauses proposed by staff and the consultant as a legislative special exception and reformat the proposed draft tax to be consistent with the format approved with the ZOR to include the renaming and consolidation of uses. Do we have a second? Second. Motion is made by Commissioner Vance, seconded by Commissioner Barnes. Do you have an opening? 
Yes. I have been and remain in support of the proposed prime agricultural soils and cluster subdivision zoning ordinance amendment as originally proposed by staff, which represented months of negotiations among stakeholders. I firmly believe this amendment will go far to meet the intent of the board and by an overwhelming margin, the desire of the public to protect and preserve productive farmland while providing for reasonable rural cluster development that also offers strong financial incentives for landowners to place their land into conservation easements. Meaningful compromises were made to deliver this amendment, which will create the conditions whereby thousands of acres of irreplaceable prime soils will be protected for today's farmers and those in the future. The 70% minimum preservation of prime soils, along with more than a dozen accommodations to provide for design flexibility, allowance for 70% of RCLs to locate drain fields on open space lots, and the expansion of permitted uses on RELs and PFLs facilitates rural cluster development and the potential for maximum returns for conservation easements. Uh, it should be remembered that 70% represents a significant compromise. I believe an objective reading of the Kimley-Horn study must acknowledge that most, if not all, cluster projects will have a high potential to maximize the number of RCLs with 70% conservation of prime soils. In spite of claims otherwise, no unbiased evidence proves, proves uh, contrary to that. I believe retaining the minimum of five acres of non-contiguous prime farmland soils on an originating track to trigger a PFL to be critical to the goal of preserving 70% of prime soils. I did not support inclusion of the uh, either savings clause um, as an administrative uh, action, uh, but I would, uh, and I do support them, as a uh, legislative special exception. Uh, I believe it gives the opportunity and it, it gives uh, flexibility, um, but it also provides a safeguard uh, for ensuring that uh, these are indeed uh, needed and necessary. Uh, further, I do not support the addition of uses that, that are currently permitted in the rural economy cluster lot beyond those agreed to by the work group uh, and in attachment three. Um, I really appreciate, really very much appreciate the mechanism and the, the value proposition that motivates landowners to voluntarily place their land in conservation easements and I have great admiration for everyone that does so. But every landowner is not so inclined, and so we cannot create policies hoping that they are. Therefore, to meet a goal we all say we share, we need a fair yet firm set of rules, and I believe this zoning ordinance amendment does just that. Uh, I ask and urge my fellow, fellow commissioners to um, support its recommendation for approval to the board. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Barnes. Um, no, no, okay. Comments from the commission? Commissioner Kirshner. Oh, I was gonna wait for Mr. Miller to go, but I guess. <laughs> I guess I'll go ahead. So um, I'm happy to support the motion. Um, one of the things I brought up earlier in my questions was about um, the uh, negotiations that went on and the concessions that were made. And I, I think I, that is really, 
there's a big point for me. I mean, clearly, I support the uh, protection of prime ag soils. I know a lot about soils, and Mr. Miller and I can maybe have a conversation at some time about the millions of years that it takes uh, for some of these things. But anyway, um, but recognizing the needs for something that's fair and equitable and the development community um, and, and having to go through this process, um, and it was for such a long time, it, you know, I, I, it's abundantly clear that we have vetted everything to make sure that, you know, we not only maintain our objective of protecting the prime egg soils, but also in a way that provides the most flexibility, the most um, uh, fairness to those that want to go ahead and, and, and develop their property. So I'm, I'm very extremely comfortable with that. And I think that the, the ag folks have really uh, gone, uh, bent over backwards to try to, to make that work. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out is that um, I really am support of, of our, our new generation of farmers, uh, and, and this is something that they really need. And we talk about people going on small parcels, people starting new things. Um, it, it's just essential that we protect these soils and make them available and so that they are available for those new farmers. Um, and I don't think we need, I think we want to make sure we don't lose sight of that. The, Farmers who've had their land for a long time and choose not to continue, this gives them a, a great path forward while still not losing those really invaluable soils. They're just critical. I had a conversation just today with a friend of mine um, through the, my, the gardening community that I'm associated with that started a farm. Uh, and uh, I asked her, I said, you know, do you, I, I do you have prime soils? And so she right away went and looked and looked at the map. And so it was kind of exciting to have that conversation. And what I was also excited to hear is that, that she was talking to me about the kind of farm that she's running. She has a farm where she, uh, a lot, where people that are neurodivergent can come and work and get a great work experience and it provides a great community asset. This is kind of a, a, a new kind of a farm. Um, and the fact that by us facilitating the protection of their prime ag soils, in a way that is fair and equitable, allows these types of new types of farming, new farmers to stay in the county, come to the, the county, and provide something that's really very unique and beneficial in addition to what I like, going to my farmer's market and getting some local fruit and vegetables that are, that are grown nearby. So happy to support. Thank you. Mr. Miller. So, um I am not going to support the motion as it is. Um, I was thinking about offering some friendly amendments, which, based on um, Commissioner Vance's opening, um, would be unlikely to be accepted. Um, and they were numerous to the point that, um, as a substitute motion, it probably wouldn't have gone over well either. Um, so I decided to um, see how this one plays out before making such um, uh, um, changes. Um, the reason that I'm not going to support it as it is, um, touch on a little bit of what Commissioner Kirshner said regarding farmers, people that have farms and they're working on their farms and they, they want to leave their farms to others. I don't think this applies to them because they want to farm their land, they can farm their land, and if they don't ever want to build on their property or subdivide their property, no one can make them. No one it's their land 
to farm as they choose. Um, I think what a, what a lot of this, these issues are here, and the reason this came to be, is for those that may have land with farmable land on it that aren't farming it and don't want to farm it. Um, they may want to keep the land as open space. They may want to keep it wherever they want to do with it. Um, they may want to put it into a conservation easement so that they can, they can, they can um, avail themselves of the financial benefits of doing as such, which also benefit the county by taking land and not allowing the houses to be built on it. One of the, the, the fears I have is that, or the concerns I have is that while, while the, the ZOAM is about, on its face, prime agricultural soils, to a large degree it's about limiting home building in AR1 and AR2. I actually think that this, if it goes through as it is prescribed, um, and potentially without the savings clauses should the board choose to remove them, um, is that you're left with, a, with the unintended consequence of getting actually more homes built when you wouldn't otherwise want to. And I'd like to present a, um, a scenario of a real world scenario that I, I spoke with a landowner um, uh, just recently. He recently put 52 acres into a conservation easement. And this gets into how every parcel is different. As, as exists today, under a um, by right use, um, either subdivision or um, principal and subordinate, he could, he could build by right eight lots on his 52 acres without regard to prime agricultural soils. If he went through the current plan as we, as we exist today, he could cluster to 13. He doesn't want to build on his land, so he was able to get the value of the 13 cluster and get his conservation easement done and have the, the requisite tax credit coming. If this went through in its current form, he would be able to subdivide through cluster into 10 lots, to which he said to me, the value that I lose for the benefit of putting to a conservation easement, I may as well just subdivide by right into eight lots. I said, well, couldn't you get 10? Why not do that? The time and the money necessary for me to go through the process to get 10, two additional, is not worth my time and effort. So I, to maximize my value, it would be better for me to just build eight lots scattered amongst the grounds without regard to prime agricultural soils whatsoever. He was able, spurred on by this conversation over the last couple of years, get his land into conservation easement. So it is a truly win-win for everyone. There's not eight, 10, or 13 houses, and there's 52 acres of land that is conserved that some of it could be farmed, some of it could be open space, some of it could be whatever. And that conservation is permanent. The houses that could be built are permanent. This, what we're doing today, and the board would ultimately do, is not permanent. It's a zoning ordinance amendment that if people wait it out, they choose to wait it out, there is some future board at some future date could say some world events happen all long after we're gone that says, yeah, you got, we got to build housing. Go ahead and build whatever you want out west. 
We can cost effectively pull sewer lines through mountains. There you go. And everything that we hope we've done today to preserve farmland is with a stroke of a pen through some zoning ordinance amendment. So I think that the unintended consequences of what this will do in its current form outweigh the benefits of being allowed to maximize density for the purpose of conservation easements. We talk about a particular moving company uh, magnet who is the only one doing this. He's not. There are tens, if not dozens, if not scores of landowners in Loudoun County that put their land into conservation easement and would hope to continue to do so. I worry about the risk of them deciding it's more economically viable for them to build by right than it is to put in conservation lots. And that's my fear. And because of that, I'm not going to support this as it is going forward. Thank you. Anything, Mr. Matthew? No? <laughs> well, I'm to my left. Go ahead. Not, I'm not the doomsdayer, but I'm not going to support the motion either, specifically because of the proposal to put the savings clauses in as special exception uses. I think that directly affects the conservation easement process and the valuation of the property in that process. And I don't think we can afford to, to directly to do that because I think that's directly aimed at reducing the housing in Western Loudoun. And it's not necessarily a process that's needed in order to preserve prime farmland. Uh, it's an engineering analysis. It's an, a measurement of property. It should be done by engineers and zoning staff and in-house. Uh, the only reason to go to a special exception process is so everybody can come out and say it's a developer trying to get more houses. So for that specific reason, I'm not going to support this motion. I would support the 70% with the clauses, providing that little bit of flexibility. Thank you. Commissioner Moderetti. Madam Chair, I'm in very similar lines to um, what um, Commissioner Meritia said. Um, I do support the 70% um, conservation. I do support the saving clauses. I do support the five continuous acres. What I don't support is the legislative action. Um, is I, I want it to be administrative. There is a whole reason I ask them if they have the blueprint, how they are going to go through this process. So unless um, that amendment is going to be made to the original motion, I will be opposing the motion. Sorry. Okay. Um, okay, I guess I'll, I'll have my, say my piece. Um, this is really, this whole process um, is, has been a exercise in threading a needle uh, to find the, the sweet spot, so to speak, where we can maintain healthy conservation easement activity, where we have a permanent easement, which is very desirable, and yet we can still preserve the prime ag soils, which we've got 0% of that required today. So while I don't support the motion currently before us, um, I, I, I support a motion that recommends approval, but not quite at the levels that are in the current motion. Um, I don't think we know enough to be certain that 70% won't cause a significant value, loss of value. Um, it just 
there's too many people showing me things that make me think that it, it, it's, it's still too much risk there. Um, I also don't see 20% and 20 acres as anywhere near adequate um, as far as the you know preservation of farmland. Uh, I would rather see five contiguous acres. I believe what's currently before us is non-contiguous. Um, I look at the chart that happens to still be up, look at that, and see that you know you lose a higher percentage of parcels when you go to contiguous than you lose acres, which tells me the parcels you lose have a lot of little bits. And to me, that's probably not as useful as the slightly larger pieces. Um, uh, so, so I'm willing to make that shift to a contiguous acreage, not 20 acres, though. I think that's too far. So, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just not there where I can, I can support the motion as it is, unfortunately. So, Mr. Vance, do you have a closing? <laughs> Okay. Do you have a closing? Yes. Do you have a friendly I, amendment? I would like to make a friendly <laughs> amendment to make it uh, the savings clauses from um, legislative to administrative process. Yeah, accept. Uh, I will accept that uh, friendly amendment. Okay. Do you have a second? I will accept it too as a second. Okay. Friendly amendment is made by Commissioner Moderetti, accepted by Mr. Vance and Mr. Yeah. Barnes. Do you guys have what you need to capture that? It seemed pretty straightforward. Okay. Well, All right. vote on it. Since yes. we're... Uh, you, you have another amendment, friendly well, amendment? No, I, I, I may as well ask, offer the friendly because I think it gets one, that amendment might get uh, Commissioner Moderetti, but my amendment might get others friendly okay, okay. put so it on the table my friendly amendment would be to um, reduce the 70% to 60% oh. and instead of five non-contiguous minimum five contiguous minimum and to make and, and to further the legislative as a as instead of um, specs so my other my two friendlies would be to go to 60% and to go to five contiguous acres as the minimum for um, consideration. Okay. No. I'm not going to agree to that. Uh, I appreciate the <laughs> the offer, um, but I, I don't want to accept that. Okay. Thank you. Vote okay. on. Okay. Again, clerical, because I'm just trying to keep track. We do not have the reformat the proposed draft letter E in this, do we? I don't. Uh, no. So we've not currently given you permission to update this per the ZOR to align with the ZOR. Yes, I did. You did. Wasn't okay, clear. all right. Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry. Okay, Absolutely. good. All right, so it's, you had C and E, essentially. Okay. okay. And C now is a legislative, or is an administrative process, yeah. not a legislative. Right. Okay. So we're all clear on what we're voting for. We're voting for the motion. <laughs> well, unless I could offer a substitute motion. Yeah, first, let's vote on this, then you can make your motion. Not if I make a substitute motion. Yeah. Actually, no. um, Robert Rules. <laughs> somebody, somebody, give me my, my Rob, copy of Robert's right. Rules. No, a substitute. Don't. Motion. If we have a motion on the floor, we have well, to. You have a motion on the floor, and you have a seconded, and you you got to vote on it. You can't have a substitute motion Jason. before you vote on. Yeah, that's my inclination. I'm just looking for somebody at the legal end of the table yeah. to nod and confirm. 
I'm sorry, I'm trying to consult Robert's rules and. Uh, that's a, it's not, okay. Right. Go ahead. <laughs> We're gonna make sure we do this right because I don't want to have to have it come back <laughs> because we messed it up. Sixty percent is uh, horses' ass. Are we uh, make it all seconded? Madam Chair, are we? Well, I'm, I'm just waiting on. for. I want to make sure Jason confirms that we need to handle the motion on the floor before we take a substitute or a second motion. I'm, I just want to make sure we don't mess it up. <laughs> 30 seconds now could save us an hour next week or next month. So. I think the substitute motion replaces the main motion. It goes first, right? Yeah. First. Can I? I have it a question. supersedes the. Okay. I have right. a question. Ms. Yes, Commissioner Kircher. How in the world can you. What is the basis for us? If you have a motion on the floor and it's been seconded, and why, why would you not. You, 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 you vote on it and then why, a substitute Jackie, motion is if there's, there's no second or something, <laughs> but how can you not vote on a motion that's been seconded? Because it's wait, wait, wait! I, mean, I want to. I just. I want the. I want to understand. I don't understand. Well, again, I. I'm, I'm just going to repeat what um, Commissioner Miller said because it's a substitute motion. A substitute. I know, but a substitute for what? If if you for the motion that's. But if you have a mo, if you have a, I'm just, again, please just bear with me to make sure I understand this. But if you have a motion that's on the floor and it gets seconded, right. and it goes through a vote, it's not a substitute. Motion right, so at that point, to, it's a new motion. No, right. but if, if there's a, there has been a, a there's been a motion made and it has been seconded, mm -hmm. why in the world are we 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 are obligated to vote on that motion that has been seconded? You can't if you if you start saying oh you can have a, before that vote is taken you can put in a substitute motion then we could go on all night. Okay. Like you can have a substitute motion, I can have a substitute. Everyone can start putting in their substitute motion. We could be going on and on and on. So I, I think that's. I, I think there's a misunderstanding here. Jackie, our bylaws cite Robert's rules, don't they? Okay. So whatever is in Robert's rules, I I will trust Jason to read that. And if or the fact that we have a motion on the floor and it's and it's been, yeah. Pardon. Main motion is on the floor. Number two, a substitute motion is presented. So we can be presented after the main motion is on the floor. Yeah. What yeah. Is, and what voted that, on before the main motion. Two is it's kind of a more comprehensive motion uh, than you know just offering a friendly amendment. Right. And it can be, it can right. be the same as a friendly amendment. It can be multiple friendly amendments, or it can be so many amendments that it's a, basically a replacement motion. A substitute right. motion. Okay. Then you vote on the substitute. You vote on the Does the original right. motion maker have to support the substitute? No. So it supersedes? It no, it's they're both on. Okay. It needs All a right. second. And it's All a substitute right. motion passes, then it 
then the principal motion, original motion, is no longer considered. If the right. substitute motion okay. fails, then you go back to vote on the initial motion. So, Got it. Um, so okay, my, so Commissioner Miller, do you so have, I have a substitute, substitute motion? motion. Um, I move the Planning Commission forward ZOAM 2020-0002, Prime Agricultural Soils, and Cluster Subdivision provides attachment one to the December 14, 2023 Planning Commission Work Session Memorandum to the Board of Supervisors with a recommendation of approval with the following recommended changes. Change the amount of prime farmland soils on an ongoing originating track that will require preservation a preservation farm lot from five acres to five contiguous acres and reduce the percentage of prime farmland soils to be preserved on a preservation farm lot from 70% to 60% and add the two savings clauses proposed by staff and the consultant as a legislative, I'm sorry, as an administrative um, option. Um, add additional uses that are currently permitted in the rural economy cluster lot and changes and consider changes to the uses as part of the future rural ZOAM and reformat the proposed draft text to be consistent with the format approved with the ZOR to include the renaming and consolidation of uses. I'll second that. Okay. So the motion is made by Commissioner Miller, seconded by Chair Frank. Do you have an opening? Uh, my opening would be that I, it was, this is essentially the friendlies that I um, wanted to include but knew were not going to be accepted. Um, and so I felt that um, this opportunity to go to 60, um, five contiguous and administrative um, was the, the, the better way to, to send this forward with a larger degree of support from this body. Okay, questions or comments from the commission? Commissioner Vance. Yeah, <clears throat> I've never, never quite experienced uh, <laughs> anything quite like this before. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, um, you know, voting on the original motion would be the way to go. And if it fails, then you've, you've got the, you can make your motion. But, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I'm not going to support, I'm not going to support the substitute motion to my motion. Yeah. Gotcha. No. I'm not going to support that either. Okay. Do you have any? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, unfortunately, I'm not going to support it, um, primarily because of the, the going down to this 60%. And I'm just, like I've said before, there has been so much work done on this and so many concessions, and there's no question that um, it's 70% and the other provisions that it's more than fair and allows absolute um, ability and opportunities for people that want to develop their land. So I, I'm not going to support it. Commissioner Matthew. I'm going to support the motion. Uh, the board can elect to go to 70%. That's fine. But for a long time in this process, staff has been alluding to, and the staff's engineer, uh, Kimberly Horn, has alluded to, a 60 to 65% might be closer to the sweet spot. And the with the escape clauses being administrative, uh, uh, that was a key concern of mine. So I will be supporting the motion. Commissioner Moderetti. I, I kind of a go opposite to what uh, Commissioner Meritu said. I mean, I'll go with 70 with the saving clauses in there. If supervisor would like to mo make it to 65, they can do it. Yeah. So I can make the amendment. If you accept um, everything else I'll support, I'll support the five contiguous acres, but 70% as it stands. 
Uh, no, I'm not going to accept that friendly. Okay. We have a substitute motion on the floor to vote on. Mr. Miller's motion. Uh, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Nay. Nay. The motion fails three to four with Commissioners Miller, Merrithew, and Chair Frank uh, in favor and the remainder opposed. So we have another motion still on the floor. We already have it. Unless Jason's going to tell me I'm screwing it up or his light's just still on. Okay, good. All right. Good. Got almost through, through a whole year without somebody yeah. yelling at me from the legal team, yeah. so I hate to do it now. All right, we have a second motion on the floor, Commissioner Vance's motion, uh, as amended to make the process administrative, not legislative. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Nay. Nay. The motion carries four to three with Commissioners Kirchner, Moderati, Vance, and Barnes in favor, and Miller, Merrithew, and Frank opposed. An incredible thank you to staff because not only have the length of time you all have been working on this, the number of my phone calls you've taken and, and everyone else's, this has been such an incredibly technical um, you know, project and, and we appreciate it. So, and, and thank you for coming in person. It was much easier to understand you than our, our technical difficulties last time. So, thank you. All right, we will move on. And item number two, Legi 2023-0069, Philomont Fire and Rescue Station. We'll switch out our seats, and Lori, we are ready when you are. Thank you, Chair Frank, fellow commissioners. Again, my name is Lori Radcliffe Myers with Planning and Zoning, and I will be presenting Philomont Fire and Rescue Station. So I'm just gonna run through this really quick. Um, again, we're all very familiar with where the site is located. Um, also, the proposal summary, the 18,800 square foot fire and rescue station, and then also the special exception um, to allow the fire and rescue station within the CR1 zoning district. So the update, so as of the October 24th Planning Commission public hearing, the application has not been changed. The proposal was not changed. The applicant has held two community meetings on December 2nd and December 9th, but the um, applicant has provided responses to the commissioner's questions that I provided as attachments to the Planning Commission memo. Also, the feasibility studies were supplied to you, the Heritage Commission letter, the property deed for the horse show grounds, and the Bill Ridge scheme. So all of those were provided as attachments to the memo. At this time, staff still supports the application. 
And again, there have not been any changes to the proposal, so there was nothing to review or to analyze any changes done to the application. So that's it for staff's presentation. All right, I like brief. Thank you, Lori. Uh, do we have any questions or comments from the commission um, based on Lori's presentation or our public comment earlier this evening? Commissioner Vance. Yeah, <clears throat> there was a um, there was a comment uh, during the public hearing that the the site, the new site for the uh, would have public access, public trails to the gardens. Um, is uh, I read, thought I read elsewhere that there would be no public access to the site. Correct, that's currently as it's proposed right now, there is not any public access um, to the site. There weren't, there weren't any trails proposed. Um, I, the applicant feels that that's a conflict in regards to the safety of, of the public being on the facility um, if, a, if a call were to go out. So there, there were no proposals of such. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Commissioner Kirshner. Thank you. Um, yeah, I had a question um, that I posed the other day and asked for uh, sort of a general breakdown of um, the area that was going to be uh, impervious or paved and the area that was going to be um, turf lawn um, in addition to the almost 19,000 square feet that's going to be the, the building mm-hmm. footprint. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the, uh, the rest of the commissioners got this information, um, but what, what was sent to me over by um, Mr. Uh, Warrest, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, um, anyway, was that he said that of the open space, um, uh, I guess it's 4.97 acres is going to be open space, including the pond, and he said that the above the pro- of the above, they project 2.7 acres will be landscaped with plantings and or turf grass. So how much, of, I mean, I, I was very concerned when I saw this plan, seven acres, you've got, you know, it was described to me during the very lengthy visit that I had there that, you know, uh, standard uh, acreage needed is like more around five. So you have two plus extra acres here based upon the standard. I was really concerned that we have so, it looked to me from the drawing, we have so much turf grass, so much impervious surface. Um, it's really like very, very uh, heavily impacted um, site with impervious and um, turf grass, which is basically could be impervious. How much of that 2.7 acres, it says will be landscape with plantings and or turf grass What's your sense, or maybe the applicant can answer? Yeah, I would defer to the applicant. I know part of that is the pollinator garden um, that they <laughs> well, that's were only talking about, part. correct? That's and then the rest of it was going to be um, grass. Well, yeah, meadow that they would mow probably twice a year was what the what the applicant had proposed. The applicant is welcome to join us if up okay. front if yeah. they are uh, able to further enlighten us and answer that question. Yeah. Here. I'm just Here. confused, sorry, and I appreciate the extra information tonight. Good evening. Um, I, I think if I understand your question, it is um, of the disturbed areas, or I guess of the, of this, so we have seven acres, of that five acres remains as open space. 
uh, two of the acres are going to be either the building or impervious surfaces. And your question is the 2.7 turf grass. Yeah. I believe that's of our limits of disturbance where we're going to have to grade and, and move uh, around. We have to put plantings back to stabilize. Of that, it'll be 2.7 acres, either uh, landscaped or the, the grass put back. Is it turf grass or is it meadow? Big difference. Uh, so all the front area Bear with me, will everybody, be... Sorry. So it won't be... It'll, it'll be up to um, really, really DGS as we turn this back over to them of how much they go beyond the parking. So it's, it's, it's unknown at this point, and the landscaping plan is not finalized yet, so it's tough to say exactly. Okay. But, um, okay. You all didn't have to run there. Okay. Yeah. And, the, and, you didn't, and you didn't change the impervious from, the la from our hearing, no change in the uh, amount of pavement. Correct. Okay. All right. Thank you. That's all yeah. I want to know. Thank you all. Okay. Commissioner Barnes. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, might as well ask the applicant. Uh, how much of the whole total land, uh, the water, you know, it's like a pond, a couple of ponds. How much area does that occupy on the total land? It's one pond. I don't know the acreage, but it's sm on the smaller side. There are two of I, them, right? I have the number, sir. It's, it's 0 0.19 acres, so about two-tenths of an acre. Both, com both combined? There's only one pond. Oh, is it only one? Yes, sir. Maybe there were two of them. No? no, sir. And how deep is it? I do not know. They, it never runs out of water. Is it what it is? So I don't believe it goes dry. The fire department uses it to pull water out to fill tanker trucks yeah. currently, and there is a stream nearby. I don't okay. know that it so the, what I'm regularly. saying is a continuous filler. It fills it up all the time, or are you diverting some stream to bring it down to the pond to have a water. That's what I was. My so we're not changing the pond at all, other than we are installing a, our storm drain system. After it treats the water, okay. that water will go into the pond okay. as it does today from the field, but yeah. a little differently. Yeah, but so it's not going to overflow the pond or anything like that. No, sir. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was concerned, how much area was taken by the pond. So you're talking about an acre. That's about it, right? Pond nine, point nine? About two-tenths of an acre. Oh, two-tenths of an acre. Okay. Thank you. Yes, sir. Commissioner Moderetti. Thank you, Madam Chair. I don't really have a question. I just want to have, I, I do have some comments. So before this meeting, um, I, not, not, not before this meeting, before the last meeting, I theoretically read through um, the application. Um, but on December 2nd, um, I did get a chance to actually go visit the fire station, visit the Philmont, um, get to know the area a little better um, to compare what we have on the paper. Um, I certainly agree with many um, of the recommendations that applicant is making right now because I did get a um, lot of communication from both sides, opposing as well as the supporting. Um, but I do believe um, our firefighters and um, emergency uh, people do need all the right equipment and the safety um, that is necessary for this area. We also have to look into the future. Not We cannot always build things just for the time being. We got to look into the future. So looking at this application, I truly believe this is going to be an, a, a facility that will be served into the future, not just it's going to cover 
our current necessities, but also looking into the future. And also I commend the applicant for um, working with the landscape you have in there, working with the um, demographics you have. I know it's, it's some of the people are opposing it, but I do receive a lot of support also from the neighbors. So uh, I'll go ahead and say it. I will be supporting this motion today um, uh, for building the new fire station in the in the horse um, facility, sir. Thank you. Okay. Anybody down this way? No? Uh, one clarification based on some public comment we had tonight. Um, there was debate back and forth about response times and sizes of facilities impacting that or not. I seem to recall our at the public hearing we discussed the fact that the current station doesn't allow for a dedicated EMT. Is that correct? Or a dedicated ambulance? Or there's something that is not there now, right? Correct. We do not have a dedicated EMS unit, an ambulance. An EMS, okay. EMS unit there. We have put one there on occasion. It's not that we can't park it there. There are limited facilities for staff there now. Um, right. In the current station, that is. Okay. Um, so, and plus we'd have to ask for additional staffing from our board of supervisors for FTE. So the intent is when we build a new station, wherever that may be, that we would put an, an EMS unit there and, and ask for that from the board. Okay. So one could think, can we silence whatever that is? Thanks, guys. Um, one would think then when that time comes at a new station where you could have that unit, that the response time for that type of unit would improve in that area. Because where are they coming from now if they're not happening to be there on that day? Absolutely. If there's if a medical emergency in, in Philmont area, it comes from either um, Percival, Round Hill, Middleburg. Obviously, those are long distances away. Okay. All right, so, so that may be where response times are improved. All right, I thank you for that clarification and confirming what my memory was, was re recalling. All right, did you have something, Commissioner Matthew? Go ahead, Commissioner Matthew. Chief, uh, there was discussion about the Lockett's fire station. So two-part question. Do you, have a, do you have multiple footprint templates for your stations? And is the Lockett station different than what you're proposing here in terms of size? No, we our, our design. We have a Loudoun County Fire and Rescue Design Manual. That's our kind of our standard template for building new stations. Um, that evolves over time. Luckett's at the time when that was built um, two two years ago, that was built to our standard design okay. manual. We have improved some things. Uh, technology has improved. Uh, cancer uh, pr protections have improved. So we consistently modify that. The last version of that sure. is 2018. So this station is being built to the design manual um, that we have for Loudoun County, our programmatic design of what basically what we need to operate in a fire station. Um, lots of people have opinions on that, but this is what we put forward and has been approved by our staff that what we need to build a fire station. And Luckett's is built to that design. Um, again, we have made some modifications since then, um, but it's pretty standard. And Lovettsville is built to the same. We will be. Yep. Yeah. It's going up real well. Thank you. Commissioner Kirchner. I just want to follow up on that, but before I do, I want to say Thank you for the Santa Claus on the top of the fire engine that comes through the neighborhoods. We yes. had in our neighborhood the other day, and it was just so amazing. All the kids in my neighborhood love it, but I think my husband loved it more, and he was really disappointed that he couldn't run out there with them. But anyway, <laughs> it's, it's a really wonderful, amazing community thing. Um, so, and the design standards that you, the design manual you have, that's programmatic, right? It's not like, it's, is it a, 
is it a template for a building or is it a template for what you need to, for it to deliver the services that the community needs? It's, it's a template for what we programmatically need. X number of offices, uh, the square footage of the kitchen, this many bunks, uh, bunk rooms for the people that sleep there, the, the women's and men's facility, the separate facilities which we don't have today. Um, it okay. doesn't talk about design or what the station looks like and, and all of that. That's okay. for the architects and, and right. DTCI who builds us the fire station. So right. we provide a need to DTCI. They take that need and they hire an architect and, and consultants right. and, and design a fire station for us. Because I think that's what we heard that like it's it's the it's the things you have to be able to do and the, the equipment you need to have there, all those things together, that that create what your your programmatic needs are. Technology yeah. has changed. Obviously, yeah. we have a lot more computers and a lot more technology in our fire stations, uh, two-way um, screens, uh, training screens, more computers. Um, certainly, we talked about the, at the last meeting here, we talked about the cancer and the reduction efforts for that <laughs> right. and the hot, warm, cold design to keep our firefighters safe. So it's an ever-evolving technology. Um, it, it's not the way it was 63 years ago when this station was built. A lot of our stations that we're building now were never designed for 24-hour occupancy. And, and I know we're, we're the, the community has supported a need for a new fire station. So I do commend them for that, that they've supported the need for a new fire station. Uh, we're just trying to make it uh, most efficient and safest for our firefighters. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Commissioner Barnes? Yes, ma'am. I just got a quick one. A couple of questions for Chief. Uh, Chief, uh, uh, when you come down where you are now to fill up your tanks, do you go inside the lot to fill it up? The trucks or you park on the street and run a big hose or something absolutely we, we come inside the lot our, our hoses the, that we draft we have to pull the water out of the out of the pond obviously it doesn't come out there's no pump or anything so we have to suck it out draft it with our units that's uh -huh. what our pumpers do and we drive onto the lot to do so that they will it, take that takes a long time to fill it up then it, it's not that uh, no yeah. it's how about quick. is it gonna uh, make it better if you have a pump built in the water to fill it up? The pond will stay exactly the same. It has a dry hydrant and it will stay exactly the same. There's no improvements being done to the pond, no changes or anything like that. No, no, I, I'm not talking about changing. I'm talking about the, is the water is going to be faster coming in since you are there, parked there all the time or keep it filled up? Because now you have to come down and fill it up, then go someplace, right? Correct. If we run a fire where we utilize the water, we have to go to the, we usually go to the horseshoe, the, the training grounds. Mm -hmm fill up at that site then drive back to the fire station yeah. if we're responding into you will save that spot as step correct because yeah. being there it's all the time right if we're in the town of percival or if we respond into another area from philemont we may utilize a hydrant yeah. you know what that's in percival yeah. or something like that yeah. okay uh, commissioner Barnes, if i could add i got a little extra information on that pond for you too so the pond is 10 feet deep currently it's, or at some point when they surveyed this as a capacity of 220,000 gallons and over this past summer the water level dropped about four inches in all that drought we had okay but it still would be sufficient for your trip yes sir okay okay that's what I, I was concerned thank you Commissioner Vance yeah uh, uh, just to clarify that the tankers are filled up before you have to go out to a fire <laughs> yes <laughs> I want to make sure <laughs> That'd be slow with no pump. I was um, now, I know when you get finished up, you know, you might have to load it again. Always. It's always full. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So that, that's what I'm saying. You've got to come back again and load it. Uh, yeah, Chief, I, I really appreciate it. And I appreciate the, um, you know, 
professionalism of this department and the, the desire to have the, the very best, you know, for all the, all the fire stations and for all the, all the first responders and all the personnel. And you know, we appreciate everything that you do very much. I just wanted to ask a, you know, hypothetical question. Uh, if there weren't land available, uh, and uh, there's an obvious need for this Philmont station to be upgraded and improved. Um, could it be upgraded and improved to an acceptable level? I, you know, I think the feasibility studies that were provided says that it can be done. It doesn't say we can't do it or it can't be done, but I think it comes with some sacrifices to our programmatic design, and that's what we're here to. Um, there, there's been little talk tonight about need for a temporary station. Um, it, it is not, I think you heard from some of the speakers, from Chief Brower, who was my predecessor, who's been through this, um, the idea of, of doing anything and keeping our firefighters in the current facility is just not feasible. It's not something I would support at all um, and would recommend highly against that to, to DTCI and county staff to do that. We've lived through that. Uh, as Chief Brower mentioned, the, the, the uh, Middleburg Station is a perfect example. Our firefighters went through a lot of bad times when that was being renovated for the conditions that they had to do. Um, most everywhere else, um, now we would put folks in a temporary station. I think uh, I've seen lots of examples where that hasn't worked well. Understood. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I do understand there would be, you know, great challenges to that, but uh, I, it would be doable to improve that station. Yeah. Commissioner Miller. Uh, one comment and then one question. Um, I think um, if we did have to have a temporary fire station it would likely be on the seven acre grounds around the corner um a tanker truck holds how many gallons of water three thousand so the pond it filled the capacity um what is that thirty three sixty six and six so that's uh seventy four tanker trucks could fill so mr barnes i think <laughs> we're okay yeah we're okay okay I have no other questions, and if I could make a motion at some time, I'm happy. Okay, I I think we are uh, we have got all our questions in. So uh, yes, we are in contact, and so Mr. Uh, Miller. Thank you. And since Commissioner Moderetti said he was in support of the motion before one was made, uh, <laughs> we're all we're all getting new cars and steak dinners and vacations to far off places. Thank you, Commissioner Moderetti. Okay, there you go. That's our motion. Um, <laughs> I move the Planning Commission approve Legi 2023-0069 Philmont Fire and Rescue Station, Commission Permit 2023-003, subject to the Commission Permit Plot dated November 3, 2023, and based on the findings for approval, providers attachments 1 and 3 to the December 14, 2023 Planning Commission Work Session Memorandum and forward it to the Board of Supervisors for ratification. I further move that the Planning Commission forward Legi 2023-0069 Philmont Fire and Rescue Station, Specs 2023-0 014 to the Board of Supervisors with a recommendation of approval subject to the specs plot dated November 3, 2023, and subject to the conditions of approval dated November 3, 2023, and based on the findings for approval provided as attachments 1, 2, and 3 to the December 14, 2023 Planning Commission Public Hearing Memorandum. Mm. Should, that be, should it be the Planning Commission 
work session memorandum? Yes. Correct? It should say work yep. session memorandum at the end, not yep. planning commission. Yes. Not, okay. Public hearing. Okay. Yes. Uh, okay. So, Amended. All right. Motion is made by Commissioner Miller, seconded by Commissioner Moderetti. Do you have an opening? Um, so I, I, I can certainly appreciate those that um, would like to see the, um, the station rebuilt on the location it is. Um, however, I personally believe that one, this is a better location for the station, but that two, re putting a new and larger building on the existing site um, would in itself change the character of Philmont. Philmont. Um, I think this opportunity will allow the community of Philmont to one, have the, the fire station and the safety that they that we all need and, and deserve and our tax dollars entitle us to. Um, additionally, there will be an opportunity to um, use the, the soon-to-be former station um, for whatever needs that may benefit uh, the community of Philmont and keeping that character and the structure and the, and the look the same. Um, that would be adaptive reuse. I know we had some comments today that talked about, and I think just people just used words incorrectly, um, Re rebuilding a fire station on the existing site is not adaptive reuse. Um, taking the existing fire station and making it a social hall or community center or an office building or whatever it may be, that is adaptive reuse. Um, so I think that um, that this is the minimum size space needed to meet the programmatic needs of the fire department. Um, if there was an opportunity, I'm sure it could be bigger to accommodate more um, needs that the, for not just for an individual station, but for the system at large. Um, and I think it, it, it bears mentioning again, as Chief Johnson has many times before, that the stations that we have, the fire stations that we have, are not just individually designed to serve those specific neighborhoods. These fire stations, many of them have apparatus and 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 safety and um, and technology in them that can't necessarily be at every fire station throughout the county. Therefore, they have certain needs and certain abilities that, when called upon, they can go all throughout the county. Such as the um, the air. There's a, there's a special truck apparatus that fills the air tanks, and we have two of those, one in Philmont and one in Sterling on opposite ends of the county, and they serve all of Loudoun County. Additionally, they serve Fairfax in need, in need. they serve Fauquier, they serve Jefferson, they serve Frederick, Maryland, wherever it is necessary for us to go to help and assist. Um, so this is not just making a new fire station in Philmont. This is improving the station, the, the, operate, the response and operations in Philmont, but also carrying forward and improving the entire um, fire and rescue system throughout the county. And given all of that, I certainly believe that this is the right way to go and the right thing to do, and I hope all will support me. Thank you. Commissioner Moderetti. Thank you, Madam Chair. Everything else uh, Mr. Miller said, on top of it, I would just I know I said it before the motion itself that I support it, um, but I do recognize the concern the Philmont residents have with this application. I know you guys are, as an applicant, gone through, worked with the design and uh, reach out and all those things. I urge you guys to continue to work on those issues and um, make the residents part of this application until you have the fire station in place. I don't want you to guys to stop working on that process. I know you might not, but I would like you to continue um, for 
all the residents, ultimately they are the ones who are going to be using these facilities ultimately. And um, if I understood this correctly, um, the current building will be given as a community center for the residents. I don't know whether what, what process it has to go through for that. But um, it's a small village, so I would like you guys to continue work with them um, to make them buy into this future firehouse. So, thank you. Commissioner Vance. Uh, yes. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I'm not going to support the motion, not because I don't support the fire department and I don't support you, the fire department having the, the best apparatus, the best personnel uh, to, uh, you know, protect us all and, and do all the things that, that need to be done. Uh, and so I'm not in opposition here, but I am in support of the rural historic villages uh, and the protection of those villages. And I think uh, uh, clearly uh, this does not fit the development and uses in rural historic villages that must be compatible with the historic development pattern, community character, visual identity, intensity, and scale of the individual villages. Uh, I do not believe that uh, this facility uh, does that. And it is, it's a circumstance of, of land and the ability to, to you know, get, get a particular piece of land, but I think it's an important uh, element in a historic village, which we have proclaimed you know, in our comprehensive plan to be of great importance for a variety of reasons. Um, the rift that's happened within the community, I think, is, uh, is quite problematic. Um, but I hope that with the, the decision that is made, that uh, the community can work together. Um, and <clears throat> I uh, applaud the volunteer fire department, uh, you know, for uh, providing the facility to the community. And I think uh, it hopefully will be a good opportunity for the community to come together uh, and come up with the very best solutions that they can. Uh, I appreciate very much the uh, type of work that's being proposed uh, to mitigate to, to the extent possible the impact on the area. Um, so uh, I hope it's not viewed as being opposed to, to the, the good work and the, the good efforts that everybody's putting into it. Uh, but I think it's a matter of principle that we recognize uh, the comprehensive plan is calling for protection of the rural villages. And, and I would hope that in the future we would take that into mind uh, before these proposals get, <clears throat> get to the point uh, and, uh, you know, take the, take the community's uh, concerns uh, to heart. So, thank you. Commissioner Marathio. I just want to make a couple of points. Uh, number one, having, having worked on the comprehensive plan and the last couple of comprehensive plans, as well as the Heritage Preservation Plan, none of those plans intended that these villages would be stagnant museums of existing buildings. They all allow, and the village overlay district allows continued development in those villages with the hope and some standards 
that the, the new development would be compatible with. What we get with this project, based on the designs I see here, is a project that has stepped up to provide a design that fits into the rural character of the area, fits into the community, in a location that is less impactful on the community than any attempt to, to adapt, <laughs> re redevelop the existing site right in the core at that intersection. It, to me, I don't think people understand the devastation that project would cause in that particular area, which is, to me, the heart of the village. So I, I think this project has stepped up in its design and is compatible. I know change is hard, and I know it's going to be a tough couple of years watching the work be done on the site, but I think at the end of the day, this project is going to fit into that community and become a resource for that community. There's also the added opportunity of using the existing building. The volunteers have said they will work with the community about adaptive reuse of that building, putting something in there that will fit with the community center, will fit with the store, you know, and will we'll maintain the character of that intersection. So I'm, I'm going to support the application. I think a lot was learned with the Aldi project. I thought that design was great. I think a lot of people thought that design was great, but there was continued unacceptance or rejection despite the effort to design the project uh, better. So I will be supporting this application. I think it fits. I think it's a need, not a want. And I think it's something all our plans support providing the best emergency services facilities that we can. Um, I think that's it. Thank you. Commissioner Kircher. Thank you. Um, I want to uh, align my feelings along with uh, Commissioner Vance uh, that I very, very, very much support the, the fire department and all the efforts and all the things that you do for the community and um, the really great outreach. I want to say to uh, the um, volunteer fire department, they made sure that I got out there to see it. <laughs> We're very persistent. Um, but I, I, as this stands right now, I can't support it, and it is, has nothing to do with um, the needs uh, of the fire department or the community. It has to do with uh, what has been presented to us and the appropriateness of what is presented to us. Um, it's, I don't feel that it is compatible with the um, historic development pattern, community character, visual identity, intensity, and scale. I think potentially it could have been. Um, that's why I brought up a lot of questions, uh, and I think some from DTCI have been through things with me before. <laughs> when I brought up the questions about the native plant communities, the environmental impact, um, impervious surface, particularly in this part of the county, I just, I just did not, I mean, I want to commend the architect. I mean, obviously, I'm not an architect, but I mean, I, I see the work that was done in terms of the building and making sure it looks like a, a barn and all of that stuff. There's a lot of attention paid to that, but in terms of, of paying attention to how this really fits, uh, according to what our comprehensive plan calls for, how this really fits in, I don't think that work was done. Um, or, let me put it this way, I don't think enough of that work was done with the, with the community. And I think I that, I didn't really understand this whole thing until I went out there on Friday. And I spent like three hours there. I didn't plan on it. Um, and I was disappointed that I could not go to the 
previous Saturday to the, the open house they had, I didn't even know about it. I wish that I'd known about that open house because I would have changed my plans, I would have gone because I wanted, as you heard me in the previous public hearing, I wanted to have, I want everybody there and I wanted to hear everybody at the same time and to go point by point on these different issues. It, there just wasn't the opportunity to do that and I don't know if that was necessarily our place, but I would have liked to have heard that myself. But anyway, so I went and like I said earlier, I first met with Madeline Skinner and Bill Ridge, and they talked very, me through sort of what, their, what they saw for the addition and why and how they felt it would work. Then I had the tour with Rick and um, Mr. Um, Frost, and they took me on the really fantastic intensive tour. I went up and down the stairs there and was telling them how, gee, maybe I'd like to be a volunteer, but I'm past the, the prime of being able to do that, but I could get up and down the stairs and I could navigate that building. And then we went out and looked at the, the uh, site for this, beautiful rolling hill and, and um, enjoyed watching um, Mosby run around the, the yellow lab. I talked about a black lab, but this was a yellow lab. It was, it was great and, and it was a tremendous, and then afterwards it just happened, I went in, made a point to go into the store and, and talk to the owner of the Philemon store about um, what had been happening and, and sort of his perspective. So I got a really great, what I consider a 360 that day. Um, by the time I got home, I felt like I really had a 360. And it, this, what we have today, I don't feel fulfills what the vision of the plan is. Clearly there has to be a new fire station. And from what I heard, a lot of people saying, whether you were talking about in this new area or in the, the new um, seven acres, which by the way, they don't need this whole seven acres. I was disappointed to see that the whole seven acres was taken up for this and Lori confirmed that there's gonna be no public access there to anything. Um, I, it, it, it just, it, it isn't completed and it, it was, and it, you know, there, there wasn't the work done to make sure that this fits and it's appropriate and I think it can be and I think there can be more conversation. I think more needs to be explored. This is incredibly important. It's an incredible precedent we're gonna be setting here. Um, and I, I just don't think we know enough, quite honestly, to say that this is okay. I mean, I think there needs to be more conversation, definitely more conversation with the community. I couldn't believe it when I drove up there, all the signs I saw of the people that are not comfortable with this. I mean, I was really surprised. So absolutely, agree 100% that there needs to be a new fire station. But I think the work that needed to be done for this, for this part of the county, for this place, for the different opportunities that are, that are there, I think that a lot more work could be done to get it right. Um, you know, we talk about redoing, talk about if the new station is built on the seven acres, then the, the, the existing station is gonna be repurposed adaptive reuse, um, there's gonna be a cost to that to the county. I mean, I, I understand that Parks and Rec is gonna be coming in at some point. So if we look at like the total cost, we gotta think about all those things too. That would be a total cost um, to, to, to be redoing something in that building. So unfortunately, um, I just can't support it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'll go ahead and make my comments quickly. Um, as Mr. Vance noted, and several speakers tonight have shared, this application has very clearly created some tension between the residents in this wonderful village. And 
I sincerely believe, regardless of the outcome tonight and later at the board, um, that the community can come together again to embrace both a safe and high quality fire station as well as a space for community use. I think that's, I, I think everybody wants that, it's just how we get there. Um, public safety is a top priority and the station that we build needs to last 50 years. Uh, we don't, we don't want to retrofit something that's not going to serve us in 10 or 15 years. That's, that's not, it's not an effort worth doing. So by providing a, a new fire station on the proposed site with safe and adequate facilities for our first responders and the improvement of adding an EMS unit, we, we adhere to that priority. Um, and the county can also utilize the current station for community use, which maintains the historic character of the village. I think trying to, I worry, I'm sure we could do a nice job of it because we, we are able to invest the money it takes to do those things. But I do worry that, that trying to retrofit the current building, you're going to have a bit of a hulking thing that looks out of place um, in the village. So as Mr. Merrithew pointed out, I think the new station has been thoughtfully designed for where it's going to be. And uh, so for those reasons and many mentioned by Mr. Miller, I'm going to support the motion. Don't know why I turned my light off. Okay, we have, do you have a closing, Mr. No. Miller? Okay. All right, we have a motion on the table. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Nay. Nay. Okay, the motion carries five to two, two with commissioners Kirchner and Vance opposed the remainder in favor. Thank you, gentlemen. And Lori. <laughs> Thank you. I have to walk. All right. I know. We're not taking a break. This one, we're going to move. All right. Uh, last item, last legislative item on the agenda tonight: Legi 2023-0067, Goose Creek Retail. Um, Allison, you're joining us at the table. Well, look at that. You guys switched quick. All right. Thank you. Good evening. My name is Allison Britton. I'm with the Department of Planning and Zoning. I'm here today to present the application for Goose Creek Retail LLC. Uh, this item was presented at the Planning Commission public hearing on October 24th, 2023. I've prepared a brief presentation outlining uh, the changes and amendments to the drive-through layout, but I'm happy to, um, in the interest of time, forgo that presentation and am available to answer questions. Staff uh, support a recommendation of approval. Okay. Do we have questions from the commission? Just, just one on the, the change for the two laning. Did they simply move the dumpsters north and create more space for the uh, vehicle parking at the building? Uh, the, the most notable change was the dual drive-through lane was the um, design change. And were you thinking of the, the supplemental? Well, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, it's still not in focus yet on my iPad, so. Um, that change uh, reduced the width of the entrance to the dual drive-through. Uh, the previous design okay. um, right. had allowed for um, a blocking of the accessible parking spaces mm -hmm. and um, was out of compliance with the facility standards manual. Okay. We're all 
while staring at drive-through lines. Okay. And on the left reflects the um, specs plat that was presented at the um, public hearing, and on the right presents the current. Right. Okay. So I just pulled it up and narrowed it. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Mr. Miller. I'm just leave leave it. I, I, they, they know. <laughs> I think it's a lost and found item. Someone won't get far without their phone. Um, all right. Any other, Commissioner Moderati? I I just missed uh, uh, John's question. So is this the updated um, design that you are mentioning? Yes. The right is the most current. Okay. Thank you. I'm guessing, uh, Commissioner Marathi, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, you have your oh. light on. I didn't know if you had anything. I'm guessing, Marie, you're here for this. So I always like to make it worth your while. Um, no, I actually, I, and I don't know if this is a you question or, or, or <coughs> staff or applicant or whoever wants to answer it. It is a, something related to cars and vehicles. So um, how is nar the, the narrowing the two cars, the narrowing that, how is that going to help prevent a backup onto the road that the right that they come in from the right end off of um, Belmont Ridge? I mean, if there's 20 cars in line, there's still 20 cars in line, whether we neck it down or, or is it just that the double wide is supposed to do that? So narrowing, if I'm not mistaken, is over by like the dumpster enclosure, right. correct? Yeah. So I, I think the idea was just to help keep the cars more in a single line at the back end of that to give the handicapped, well, the accessible spaces some more space to actually back out and come out, like, through the Wal Walgreens area. Okay. I see that. All right. So, so okay. It was just for the... Yeah. It does add additional... Guys, yeah. Um, it does add additional storage. So if you look at the total number of cars in each graphic, it does add additional uh, capacity uh, storage in the in the drive-through lane. Did I say that correctly? Right. Okay. And the only way out of this shopping center remains going down to the light at Sicklin on the opposite corner, or no, or you could go up and back behind the gas station to the light at Belmont. And hey. There, so, you can't access it to Sicklin and Belmont. Okay. Are we doing, is Sicklin in its final configuration there? I think it is, but. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, that backs up at five o'clock, like when I'm on my way here. <laughs> <laughs> up into the light, especially when there's school buses around. Um, okay. All right. Um, any other questions, comments, clarifications needed? No, I know this is in Ashburn and Vice Chair Combs is not here, but I believe Mr. Miller, you and he spoke, you're prepared yes. to make a motion on his behalf. Thank you. Um, I move the Planning Commission forward, Legi 2023-0067 Goose Creek Retail LLC, Specs 2023-0011 to the Board of Supervisors with a recommendation of approval, subject to the conditions of approval dated uh, December 11, 2023, and based on the findings for approval, provided as, as attachments one and two to the December 14th 2023 Planning Commission Work Session Memorandum Supplemental. Second. 
All right. Motion is made by Commissioner Miller, seconded by Commissioner Matthew. Do you have an opening, Mr. Miller? Yeah, I, I think that this is um, a, an excellent potential use for this um, this plaza. Um, and while I, I recognize that the biggest consternation was um, stacking of cars and given its location on the property, the preventing of cars from backing up onto um, Belmont Ridge Road, um, it would be, um, frankly, remarkable if whatever this 2,000 square foot space offered us one day um, was so popular that it did back up onto Belmont Ridge Road. Um, it won't, um, although I can recall when, for example, the Bojangles and Sterling opened up and people waited in line for three hours. Um, I just read recently an In-N-Out burger opened up in Idaho and people waited for eight hours in their cars to get a hamburger, which is excellent, but not eight hours worth. Um, so should we have that position, that situation here? In some ways, that's a good problem to have. Um, it's unlikely to happen. And I think what, what has been provided to back to, to queue the cars in here is going to be sufficient. And I welcome the opportunity to continue to grow this plaza, which despite its ingress and egress challenges and walking across from place to place and the difficulty of parking, if you're going up to the stuff along Sicklin Road, all of that exists as a problem because it's such a thriving and popular plaza with so many things going on for it. Um, and this will just continue to encourage the um, success of that plaza, and I'm all for that. So I, like Commissioner Combs, Vice Chair Combs, I do support this as well. Thank you. Any other comments or questions? Y'all. <laughs> Y'all are making me chuckle on both ends. I am. Uh, I, I grumbled a lot when this came to us at the public hearing, and I still have a lot of concerns about how the traffic flow works. As Mr. Miller said, it, you're a victim of your success sometimes. Um, but it, it is not a fun place to be in the evening, so I'm just going to cross my fingers and hope this is a coffee shop or something that has a lot of traffic early in the day because, I'm yeah. It's, it's, it's still not my favorite, but anyway. All right, we have a motion on the floor. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? All right, the motion carries 6-0-3. We are now missing Commissioners Hayes, Combs, and Kirchner. That is our last legislative item of the evening. I know um, we do have administrative reminder or two, Jackie? Yes, just reminders. The Planning Commission will have its last public hearing of the year on Monday. And just a reminder that the Commission will receive a resolution of appreciation from the Board on Tuesday the 19th. We would love to see everybody there. That's no earlier than 5.30, right? Yes, I just want to... Presentation of ceremonial resolutions can be as early as 5.30. The meeting starts at 4, though. I'll be down here at 4, so we can all just hang out together. But okay. you, you, I'm not going to get here until like 5. You, you mean so. to tell us we have to wait an hour and a half? You don't have to be here at 4. No, I, I know. I know. I've never been here for that. <laughs> Anyway, thank you. All right, thank you. That is all. Uh, then we are adjourned. Good evening, everyone.